<laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer, my co-host Nick Giffen of the Action Network, Kyle Larson and Victory Lane at Martinsville Speedway in, uh, let's call it a disappointing race, but bud, we got a lot to unpack this past weekend. A lot of things happened, including the truck race that, you know, uh, our boy Stephen Malazzi ran the Stacking Denny's 22 Ford, but uh, more importantly, Kyle Kirkwood, your boy, gets the win, gets you some money in your pocket. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's kick off. Let's let's start first with that. Let's talk about Kyle Kirkwood. Let's talk about IndyCar. I know this is a NASCAR podcast, but man, if anybody follows you on Twitter, they saw your betting slip on uh, Mr. Kirkwood here. You've always said you're gonna, you're always gonna bet on him, uh, especially before he gets that first win. So. Uh, how was Long Beach? I know you were there. You were there for the race. You were there for the race weekend. You met him. How to, how to go? Yeah, it was a perfect weekend as far as the weather. Um, got a little bit of sun, but not too much. Uh, I, first day I didn't sunscreen. Second and third day I sunscreened. Um, got to meet Kyle on Friday. Just kind of, we've got paddock passes and I uh, was walking through and Saw Roman Grosjean, who's a driver for Andretti Autosport, former Formula One driver. He was really popular, so there's a lot of people around there. And then saw Colton Herta. So I actually took a picture with Colton Herta. I haven't posted that one yet. Um, and it was funny. I was like, good luck this weekend, Colton. Um, he was like, oh, thanks, man. And I was like, also make sure to tell Kyle uh, his number one fan is here. Uh, I'd love to see him or something. And he like rolls his eyes, like in a in a sarcastic way, not like not like F this guy or anything. Um, so it takes pictures of me. It was pretty cool. But, um, and then saw Devlin DeFrancesco walk by. So it was like the first three of the four Andretti Autosports drivers. I'm like, the only one we haven't seen is Kyle. Like, come on. And then, so we're just hanging out for about 15 minutes. All of a sudden I turn around, instantly see him. And he's walking right towards me. Like, and I go, oh, my God, Kyle. And he's like, oh, my God. And he knew exactly who I was instantly. Um, yeah. So it was pretty funny. So got to talk with him for a little bit. Um, had him send my girlfriend a video uh, because uh, she wasn't able to, to come. But uh, he was very kind to do that. And, uh, yeah, that was Friday pretty much. Um, Saturday was qualifying. He puts it on the pole and – Baby, when he got that pole, uh, I knew he was going to be I, – I set the over-under on what his opening odds would be, like his post-qualifying opening odds would be for the race win. Since he got bet – like when he opened open at Caesars at 20-1, to 1, he got bet down to about 12-1, to 1, I think, at Caesars and 15 at some yeah. other places. So I, I said, well, probably like 8-1 to 1 or something, right? Like he's been opening longer than a lot of the other favorites who have – always had speed and that's because last year Kyle Kirkwood read for a small team this year he's on one of the best teams in all of IndyCar Andretti Autosport um you know probably a step down from Team Penske probably a step down from Chip Ganassi but right in that 1B tier I guess you could call it with Aero McLaren as well there's four really really dominant teams in IndyCar this year uh so there's just no way he should have been 20 to 1 especially when you consider Andretti Autosport won three of the last four Long Beach races, and the one they didn't win, Romain Grosjean finished second, and Colton Herta actually had the car to beat that race. He just had really bad pit stops and pit strategy. So they've had the dominant car each of the last four Long Beach races. Two of those won by Alexander Rossi, who's in the 27 car, which Kyle Kirkwood took over. So they had won half of the last four Long Beach races, the number 27 car had, 
And then you look Kyle Kirkwood last year, his best finishing result was at Long Beach. So it just all made sense to bet him 20 to 1. Now I was going to bet him 20 to 1 at every road course because I knew, right, to, to make it a good bet, all he has to do is win 1 in 21 times to break even or 1 in 20 to make profit at 20 to 1. Well, he's had 20 career races total. That includes ovals, where I'm not really betting him to win. Uh, certain road courses where maybe his odds were too short or he didn't show enough speed with the Foyt car. So I think I've bet him at all but maybe one or two of the road courses. So that ends up being about, uh, of the 20 races that in his career, about 13 or 14 tries I've bet him at. And a lot of those were at longer odds, 50, 60, 80, 100 to 1 to win, 300 to 1 to win in the very first race last year. So got it in good. He got the job done. Um, there was no shortage of scary moments. Literally, lap one, turn one, he and uh, Marcus Erickson rubbed tires, the outside pole sitter. Uh, then after a restart, there was uh, so Scott Dixon, Dixon crashed on lap 20 after a battle with Pato Award. Well, then Award dive-bombed. Um, well, so what happened, there was a stack-up in front of Kyle Kirkwood, uh, there was a, like a lapped car and then a car that stayed out and didn't pit that was slower stacked up in front of Kyle Kirkwood. He actually made contact with the guy who stayed out, who was the leader, but got around him. It was like very light, minor contact. And then Award tried to dive bomb him and touched him. So he had like three contact incidents in the first 21 laps of the race or something like that. Uh, and that allowed Joseph Newgarden to get by him. Joseph Newgarden went on the softer tire, which wore a lot quicker so they were really fast for about 10 15 laps and then they'd wear off so kyle knew it was okay if new garden was gonna pass him because that was very possible on the softer tire while kirkwood was on the harder tire uh but kirkwood once that 15 lap mark came he was right back on new garden's gearbox and then new garden had to pit earlier to get off the worn out tire so he pitted and from there kyle kirkwood laid down like two qualifying laps to to gap new garden perfect pit stop by the team he comes out not only ahead of Newgarden, but Romain Grosjean also leapfrogged Newgarden. He comes out a couple seconds ahead of Romain Grosjean, and then from there, it's just hope no chaos ensues, and they went green to the end, and he he held his spot. So, um, you know, I, I hope people rode the, the Kirkwood bandwagon with me because it's one of those things where you can say, bet this guy every single time, it's value. But then after seven, eight, nine, ten times, and he doesn't win, and it doesn't win, and it doesn't win, people yeah. start hopping off the bandwagon. I'm like, but we got to get to the the – large enough sample size plus we also have to get to where now he's with andretti not with backmarker team where he should be 80 to 1 now we he should be i mean he honestly he should have been at longest 12 to 1 i was like ah, maybe i'd i'd hesitate at 12 to 1 but uh probably would still bet it but uh, now he's probably never going to be double digits on road or if he is it's gonna be 10 to 1 i would think uh at road and street courses uh, so I'll be very curious where he opens next week for for Barber, which is another road course. So not this coming weekend, but the following weekend at Alabama. I wonder if he's going to open uh, under ten to one. He he probably should. Yeah, I know. I, I messaged you about that um, last week, and you you said you know basically bet him twelve to one wherever. And I stupidly like I didn't intentionally jump off the bandwagon, but I just I was so busy last week I completely yeah, forgot to bet, and then. Once, once he was on the pole and then odds came back out, he was four to one. And I was like, well, I should just bet him just because, and then I forgot again. And yeah, then I saw him one. So I, I honestly thought I might've been, I could have been a jinx. So that's another reason I didn't bet. I'm going to just going to throw that out there <laughs> and, and say that that might be a reason, but no, that, uh, if anybody's been listening to, to this podcast for very long or followed you on Twitter for very long, they know you always talk about Kyle Kirkwood and, and 
we knew it was going to be big the first time he won and that was definitely and for you to be there and see that happen is just oh my god it's perfect it's perfect yeah i was i was sitting in could you have had a better weekend to be no i was sitting in grandstand 27 which of course is his number which was basically right across from the start finish line that was just off to my left there so i got to see him lead the field to green i got to see him cross the finish line first um it's my first IndyCar race I've been to since 2019, which was Long Beach then as well. My dog is named LB. He won in LB, Long Beach. Uh, <laughs> we're sponsored by Luva Bella LB. So everything came together, um, you know, and it was the first race I got to see him race in IndyCar. Now, funny enough, I've actually seen him race four times in person. In 2018, um, I went to a couple races as well, and he was racing in the bottom rung of the road to Indy. So there's like triple A baseball, double A baseball, single A baseball, and then like major league baseball. He was in like the single A baseball of the road to Indy and he won all three races. I saw him race in 2018 as well. So 100% win rate when I watch Kyle Kirkwood race in person. That's awesome. We have to go to more races. I, I believe. Yeah, I think, uh, there may be something in the works there. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I have, a, I have a feeling something may be in the works. Yeah. We'll see. Well, that'll we'll be see. fun. And then to have him tweet about it, that was crazy. Oh, yeah. 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 Sounds pretty um, Yeah, for those of you listening or watching that didn't that didn't see Nick's uh, bet slip there, nice little, what was it, $25,000 win for yeah. you there? Yeah. <laughs> Casual 25000 win on the IndyCar race. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I... It, I wouldn't ordinarily bet that large, but there are a few factors in play. One, the odds were good. Like 20, he shouldn't have been 21, as we said. Um, so it was a pretty big edge there. Two, just knowing everything about Andretti's history there, especially in recent years, the last four years, how they've had the dominant car every year. It seemed even 12 to 1 was, like I said, possibly a little too long. Three, his best finish coming at Long Beach last year took, a, you know, a sh- let's call it what it is, a shitbox car, and put it in 10th, um, his best finish of the year. And four, I was on vacation, and I f- had a $40 round-trip flight, and I got to stay for free somewhere. So that was my vacation money instead because I didn't spend money elsewhere. I mean, I guess I spent on the race tickets and the paddock tickets, but that wasn't much at all. So I was like, that's going to be my, my vacation fund. Right. It's like yeah. if I lose it, it doesn't matter that because most people will take one two thousand dollar vacations. Well, I'd spent not even 200 bucks on the whole thing so far. So it's like that's my vacation fund. So that's why I'm betting extra large this time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Great to see that hit. But uh, yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, there was fun a, there was another. Funny. I was going to say, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. Uh, I, I, there's another great part of the whole weekend too, because Friday I was doing double duty with, uh, you know, trying to hang out with, with Kyle Kirkwood and, and trying to monitor the stacking Denny struck. Yeah. So that's, that's what we are going to get into next. Uh, so yeah, um, I was obviously at Martinsville, uh, this past weekend for the race that, that, uh, very interesting truck race. I'll say that, you know, with all the rain and all the rain tires and everything else, but, uh, Dude, that that truck, that stacking Denny's truck, was even sexier in person. I'll tell you. Oh that. yeah, I'm sure. I am and sure. It looked good. That, and it did. It looked so good. Like not even being biased, but also being a little biased. That truck was sexy as hell. 
And it was, it, it was literally like a dream come true, you know, because like when I go to races or when I, when I go, yeah, when I go to races, like I don't have a favorite driver. Like I'm always just watching the race and it was such a different experience. One to be in the pit area, in, in the garage area and just being able to do that. That was wild to me. I've never done that before. Like I've had like, you know, pit passes at Michigan, but that's completely different than, than this. Um, one of, one of my best friends was there with me. You know, we had an absolute blast just casually walking around. Like, like I don't really get starstruck, but we're, we were just standing around like Ross Chastain walked, walked in front of me and I was like, Hey Ross, he's like, Hey. And I was like, that was weird. And then yeah. all of a sudden my buddy tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, that's Haley Deegan. And I was like, Oh mm-hmm. God. Like that was the first time I got like, I was like, Oh man, yeah. just because, you know, and so that was just cool. It was cool to be at Martinsville. You know, that I've never been there before. I don't even think I've ever been to Virginia before. Um, but that was a fun, you know, little wow. eight hour drive. Nothing, nothing too awful. Do uh, great views. Holy crap. Oh, like, yeah. I'd go back oh, yeah. to Virginia in a heartbeat. Yes, sir. So much better than Ohio as, as far as, as views go. But, um, but yeah, the race was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was, it was fun watching Malazi get better as the day went on. And I wish yes. that, that that entire race would have just stayed on the same tire or, you know, they stayed on, if they would have stayed on the rain tires or, or whatever, because you could see like in practice, he was like, I think a lot of people forgot, like a lot of people that were talking shit or whatever over after the race, um, which by the way, like just to clear that up, does anybody think, does any possible, any person think that we believe that he was going to win that race or that he himself believed that he was going to win that race? Like, no, let's get real people. We know what, what we were getting into. We were having so much fun with this. Like, yes, yes we're betting him at, you know, a thousand to one or whatever, 5,000 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. For fun. Like, this is all just complete fun. Like, this exactly. is why we did this. Like, mm-hmm. and that was one of the first questions I got when, you know, we, sorry, I'm for people watching on YouTube, I'm not in my normal chair or anything. I'm on my couch. So camera's going to move around a little bit, but, um, yeah, like it was, it was awesome to, to not have any expectations and just watch, you know, a driver that never raced at Martinsville before learn the track and, and get better. And, and you could see it, you know, when the race started, you know, he started what second to last. And then mm-hmm. within like the first lap, I think he was, he was significantly, there, there was a big gap from the field to him. And then as after 10, 15 laps, you could see him getting better. Like this was the coolest thing to me. Cause I'm sitting there, you know, specifically watching that truck. I don't care about any other trucks in the field. And uh, you can just watch getting faster. I think he passed like three trucks on that first run before that first caution came out. Yeah. So, so that was just awesome to see, but yeah, the people that like, I don't know, I don't know, like, obviously you're going to have people talk shit, but you have to remember, like we, we knew what we were expecting getting going into this race. It's not like we were expecting anything major, like would have been cool. Do I think, do I think if, uh, if, if the tires, like if it would have been a normal race and a full race and long runs, do I think that he probably, you know, could have finished upper thirties, maybe even top 30 with a little bit of chaos. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like I know what we were getting into, and it it, it was yeah. it was still just a I I will literally say that was a once in a lifetime kind of experience. Like I don't think I'm going to experience that again. But it was just it was wild. It was awesome, and 
the truck looked so damn good. Oh, yeah. No, it was... I could tell. Obviously, I wasn't there, but I could tell from practice times, qualifying time, and then watching the race, I could tell he was improving throughout the weekend. And that's all we want to mm-hmm. do. He hadn't been on track in nine months. So he mm-hmm. need, he just needed track time. And once he got the track time, he made some passes. He got up to 32nd, I think, at one point, like you said. Um and unfortunately, there was that battery issue, but that's not that's not in his control. That's just the thing that happens. And the the team did a very good job. Thank you to AM, AM Racing. Thank you to Rayum Brothers Racing uh, for helping Malazi live his dream. And uh, you know the the pit crew and and, and all the, the guys that work behind the wall for for working with Malazi that weekend. Um, we have you to thank as well. Uh, also, of course, to the listeners that helped make this happen, the Stacking Denny's listeners, uh, you helped a, a kid live his dream, and it, you know he he brought it home in one piece. He didn't wreck the truck. He'll probably get another yeah. opportunity, I would think. Uh, so that's that's huge, and uh, you know he he drove very professionally and and made passes, and and you know just very happy that you know it, it got better throughout the week. It sucks the circumstances with the rain and all the, the calls that NASCAR made or didn't make. That's, you know, again, another thing that's out of Malazi's control, but for the, the hand he was dealt, he did a very, very good job. I know you and I are both super proud. Oh yeah. And, and it, like I said, it was just an awesome experience and yeah, I can't, can't thank everybody enough for, for everybody involved there that, that made that possible, you know, especially all the yeah, he, and everything. Malazi had a, uh, you know, a bit of a viral tweet after that, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, if you ever wanted, it's like, I'm reading it basically word for word. If you've ever wondered what it likes being a small time racing driver, yesterday I drove to Martinsville Speedway at 7 a.m. I raced in the truck race for a.m. racing, drove myself back to my apartment, got back home around 3 a.m. Now I'm serving at Outback. And funny story, I went to Outback earlier this past week before the week leading up to Martinsville. So it uh, just seems like that's uh, – I didn't even know that he worked at Outback, honestly. So it uh, just seems like an, a match made in heaven there, and now it's like uh, you know we're trying to get that Outback sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome too. Um, yeah, that has 147,000 views, uh, his tweet does, and 1,600 oh likes, 200 retweets. So his tweet went super viral. Um, but, yeah, you know, that, that, that you know, gets our truck more we- exposure. A week ago, I think he had like 500 followers, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely viral for, for an account that size. It's definitely crazy. Um, yeah, so my my favorite driver and my favorite driver. So Malazi and Kirkwood. Kirkwood 1A, Malazi 1B is what I've told him. But uh, I just need to meet my other favorite driver now, Stephen Malazi. I've never actually met him in person, but I know I'll get to at some point, probably hopefully this year. Uh, get to meet Steven, hang out with him, give him a big old hug because uh, he did he did super awesome. Oh, I did forget to mention after Kyle Kirk would put it on the poll, you know, he came back and he was signing all these autographs and, you know, like all these kids rush up to him. It was really cute. I make sure to get a good picture. And at the end, like I didn't want to butt in because I'd already gotten my chance to like talk to him, say hi or whatever. So I didn't want to butt in. I didn't want to cut in front of any kids. Um, wanted to let everybody else get their chance because I obviously already had my chance with Kyle and, and I knew I would have many more. He starts walking around I'm like Kyle. He turns around, and he's like, "Oh!" And he like walks back towards me and fist bump. And I'm like, "Good job, dude!" And he's like, "We got it." <laughs> awesome. So that was pretty cool. And then awesome. the day of the race, um, 
they all like so they announce the starting lineup and they all go on the back of the pickup trucks and like one truck per driver and they do a lap around the track and when he got back because like i was like there's pit road exit and they go all the way around i'm just past pit road entrance so goes by and i'm the like literally the only person all weekend i saw with a kyle kirkwood shirt all three days was me so and and i only wore it on sunday so i like stand up in the grandstands i'm like go kyle he's like he's waving and then he sees me he's like yeah. <laughs> and then after the race, I, I only got to briefly see him because um, obviously he's doing all the winter interviews and drinking champagne, podium celebration, and they're wheeling him back towards the media center on a cart. And so like beeping every, and there's a big old crowd and, and I'm just like, good job, Kyle. He gives me a little nod, I guess, if you will. But uh, so those are my, my interactions. Those was like the first time I got to meet. It's like, I've been a big Jeff Gordon fan, but I never got to like meet him. Um, and then Greg Moore for IndyCar was my other, like, racing hero. So I've had, like, three, like, racing heroes in my life. Um, four now with Malazi. But, uh, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was cool to actually finally meet a racing hero of mine. And it's, it's definitely an experience I'll take with me forever. Like, forever, ever. Um, and then he wins the race. My, like, the first one I get to see him in the top level. You know, because I, I only, like, back backtracked like what are the races I'd been to and realized I'd seen him in three other races and he won all three of those but like I didn't know who he was then I mean I kind of did because I, I watched those races and stuff and he won but it wasn't like at that moment in time Kyle Kirk was gonna be a superstar that he was because we didn't know that was 2018 so um you know he was 18 19 years old at that time uh 19 years old I guess so uh it's just one of those things where it was like the first time I ever got to Long Beach is, aside from the Indy 500, it is the biggest race on the Indy car schedule. So it's a it's an Indy car crown jewel. It's like when we talk about NASCAR crown jewels, there's the Daytona 500. Well, the second most prestigious one is probably either the Southern 500 or the Coca-Cola 600 or or maybe the Bristol Night Race. Those are kind of like the NASCAR majors. Long Beach is an Indy car major. So if you're not winning the Indy 500, that's the next one you want to win. Hmm. I didn't realize that. Like, like I said, or like I've said before, I don't really follow IndyCar that much. So, that's awesome, though. Great race, absolutely good race. That was like, IndyCar is the best racing product. Uh, IndyCar and Xfinity series are the two best racing products on the planet right now. Um, mm -hmm. In in my opinion, I mean sports cars too. Like IMSA is a pretty good one too. But for me, it's IndyCar number one and, and Xfinity number two as far as like the quality of the racing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned your shirt and how you were the only one with Kyle Kirkwood. Uh, for those that did not see our tweets, you can get Stephen Malazzi and Stacking Denny's merch. Yes. Uh, StephenMalazziGear.com. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you want some shirt. I, I haven't heard. I'm actually, I have my cart right here. I'm about to order my shirt. I'm going to get that purple shirt. Like, you know, like, you know, I'm getting that purple shirt. Uh, oh, yeah. I ordered a bunch of stuff. I ordered, definitely ordered purple shirt. Um what else did I order? I'm going into going into here. I ordered the hat, ordered purple shirt, um, ordered some of the the beer koozies. Um, ended up ordering actually a second shirt, one one black, one purple, and uh, some stickers. So yeah, pretty excited about that. Yeah, but the purple dude, that that purple is like perfect. It is. I can't, like I said, I can't get over um, the truck and, and this merch. So, yeah, make sure you check out that merch. 
Uh, order it if you want. You should, especially that purple shirt's awesome. But um, but yeah, so getting fully on into Martinsville here. Um, what a race! What a race! You know, the the first race last year at Martinsville had in Jeff Gluck's poll was eighteen point seven percent that people said it was a good race. We're up from that this year up to 37%. Lowest race of the season of people saying that's a good race behind only Phoenix, which I will note are the last two races of the season and the one race that determines a championship. I think that's very noteworthy. But uh, what we saw on what we saw at Martinsville on Sunday, uh, Kyle Larson, victory lane, Ryan Priest on the pole, dominated 135 laps led, got a speeding penalty, could not recover from that. The name of the game on Sunday at Martinsville was track position. If you did not have track position, you did not have a good race. If you made a mistake, if you made if you sped on pit road, you were done for. You're, there was no coming back from it. A um, mm-hmm. lot of fans, a lot of media members, a lot of drivers are up in air, up have have their hands in the air, um, saying that this needs to be fixed. You cannot pass. And we saw this last year. We saw this uh, at short tracks last year. Obviously, NASCAR has been making some adjustments to the short track package. We've seen some gains, some some losses here. But the fact of the matter is, I did has NASCAR absolutely killed Martinsville Speedway? Because obviously, we had we had the excitement at Martinsville in the fall last race with the playoff. But would that race have actually been exciting without Ross Chastain making that move? And I don't think it yeah. would. I, I, I actually I thought it was a very good race even without the hail melon. Um, you could pass in that race, and that's why that was part of Ross's problem. Term. He could get past. That, me too. That's why I never say it. So, um, I, I think it was it a great race. Thank you, thank you. I hate that term. That and and the W man term. Yeah, gotta bleep those. Uh, so, so but no, I, think, I I actually thought last year's Martinsville race was good, even without that. Why do you think? Okay, what what's the difference then that that they were able to pass somewhat. I remember I didn't watch that race at all. Um, I was in Vegas, but yeah, why well, I didn't watch this race at all? Cause like we were, we were blaming last year's Martinsville spring race on the weather. Well, the weather mm-hmm. wasn't a problem this time and they still couldn't fucking pass. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the issue was this time around because last year in the playoff race, it was a good race. Like you could pass. It was, it was seemed very Martinsville like last year, like tr- classic Martinsville like. So and the first it, race last year, is... like we said, was terrible. So I don't, I didn't see this race. I was obviously I was at Long Beach. The races, my whine about is the races starting at the same time. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's just one of those things where it's. Uh, I didn't see it, so I can't really comment on this year, but it sounds like the drivers were unhappy about it. The fans were unhappy about it. Maybe not as unhappy as last year, so it sounds like a little improvement over last year, but you're right. It's possible this car has killed Martinsville, and I think now what we're trying to see, or some of it, what I'm seeing is the shifting. Now people are going to blaming the shifting, uh, which has been what's preventing people from getting runs and making passes. Uh, You didn't used to have to shift in the same ways or patterns uh, or even necessarily at all in the past. And now you, you downshift, you upshift, and that's going to make it a lot harder for, for other cars to pass you. Yeah. And, and I think the shifting 
is rightfully getting some attention, but uh, the main thing is tire wear. There's no, absolutely no tire wear. So I understand people wanting to blame NASCAR and wanting to blame this package and everything else. And this is going to be part of my whine about it is, is that whole topic. But I'm, I understand NASCAR deserves blame here and the, you know, the shifting gets some blame. At what point do we say Goodyear needs to make some tires that fucking fall off? Because after 80 laps, for there to only be less than half a second fall off on those tires, that is a major reason that a lot of people are overlooking as to why this mm-hmm. race was so shitty. Because I agree. You know, you look at the you look at the truck race on Friday, they could pass, and it's because they had tire fall off. Like so, I, I think I think that's more of an issue than than the package and um you know that the engines and the horsepower and the shifting is uh than anything else and obviously i don't like i'm not a driver i'm not i'm not i'm nobody but uh from my perspective i think that's a big thing that a lot of people are overlooking yeah i'm very curious because i mean obviously last year the the cold race there was no fall-off because it was so cold I do believe they made a tire change as well. I'm pulling it up on J-Ski right now. Goodyear tire notes um, from the first race. They ran um, left side 51-54, right side 51-36. In the second race, they ran uh, left side 51-76, right side 51-78. So definitely a compound change. Goodyear prepares cold weather compounds for Martinsville's concrete corners because of the times of the year. Uh, the weather can be cool or even cold. That complicates the process of laying rubber. To respond to that, Goodyear tested the Southern Virginia short track to come up with tread compounds that will accomplish that goal. And while the temperatures at the on-track session in June were certainly warmer, Goodyear's confident the compound changes both the left and the right side tires uh, will rubber in the track better in all weather conditions. So that was for last year. They definitely made a tire compound change. Looking at this year, what tire compound did they bring? They brought the exact same compound as the, the playoff race, and we just didn't have the same falloff that we had in the playoff race last year. I don't know if it was temperature, right, because that playoff race, I believe, was in the 80s or so, low 80s. And this was in the 60s, maybe. Uh, I, I don't have those exact temperatures, but it could be a little bit of that. It could be now because we have a lower downforce package um, and the acceleration. Because Martinsville's not Richmond. Martinsville's not Phoenix. I think because it's Martinsville where it's so much, like it's really, really flat. And it's so much slower and shorter and tighter. You're not getting the same you know, even though you are accelerating off faster, you're not getting the same uh, deal with the tires because you actually, that less downforce is pushing the car into the ground less. So it's reducing the amount the tires are being pushed into the ground, which would increase their wear. So that's being reduced. So maybe that's part of it as well. Uh, it's tough to say. I, I, I honestly don't know, but it certainly sounds like it wasn't as good as last year. Last year in the playoff race, track position didn't matter. It you could come from the back and you could move to the front. Obviously not in the first race. There was only maybe one or two drivers who could. Um, but but in that playoff race, it was a classic Martinsville race. You could pass. You could move through the field. Um, sounds like in this one it was a lot tougher. Maybe not last year spring race levels, but but getting close to that. Yeah. Um, 
I'd almost say this was worse than than spring race last year, just for the fact that like teams could and and I can't believe more teams didn't like do two tires or stay out on no tires late in the race. Uh, yep. Here's a stat for you though: Joey Logano finished second despite having an average running position of twenty one point zero, the worst average running position for a runner up finish in a Cup race since before. Since at least 2008, according to Racing Insights, keep in mind that that includes super speedway races, where where drivers specifically and intentionally hold back and go in the back of the pack. This is never. This hasn't happened. Like this is this is just a, a testament to how awful this was, in my opinion. Um, you know, obviously, I'm very yeah. thankful that Logano pulled that strategy, and Blaney, I think, did two tires as well. They both finished top ten. I can keep betting on NASCAR. I won both of those bets. Man, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy that I won the bets. I'm not really happy how I won them because they weren't good sure. bets. Like neither of those guys were top ten. Blaney was fringe, but Logano wasn't. Well, I mean, he could have been, but he had to start in the he had to start in the rear and you know, yeah, you know, like we said, track position. But but yeah, that you know that kind of stat is just very telling of of where this package was and. Uh, and what I don't even know. Like now, now all of a sudden, you know, the fall race at Martinsville is going to be another, just like we had last year. Is it going to be as shitty as a spring race, or is, or mm-hmm. is it going to, you know, surprise again? But uh, another another stat that came out of this past uh, Cup race this last weekend, two weeks in a row that the Cup race has timed in at less than three hours, and I think that's significant. Um, you know. Right now, baseball is working on getting their games shorter. Do we feel like NASCAR's kind of, and maybe not intentionally, but that's kind of their goal is to shorten these races, um, because they got so long. You know, despite the despite the stage cautions and everything, which add time, like you know, not seeing the wrecks, not being able to pass as much. You know, maybe this is all coming together to to create shorter races with these, you know, which go hand in hand with the later start times. Yep. Possibly. Um, I just, I don't, I never want less racing. I, I don't want shorter races. Maybe NASCAR does. Maybe that's the goal and it, and it could be, but part of it is just fewer cautions, right? I mean, that race didn't have many cautions at all from what I gather. I didn't, I legitimately didn't, haven't even looked up the stats for it. I, I got back on Monday, was exhausted and caught up on work today and did my taxes because today was tax day. Uh, so did all my work, did my taxes, did stacking Denny's. So been a day, um, and I haven't looked, but I didn't even see how many cautions. Five cautions for 50 laps and a you know 400-lap race, so um, definitely cutting time down. It used to be a 500-lap race, and we used to often see more cautions at Martinsville than five. Um, I think, for me, the difference between baseball and NASCAR, yeah, it's great to have two-hour 15, two-hour 30-minute baseball because what you're cutting down on is dead time time where nothing's happening between a pitch and between the neck, you know, the hit or the play or the out or whatever, or then between the next pitch, you're cutting down on that 20 seconds of dead time each time and making it shorter. Well, there's not all that dead time in NASCAR you're always constantly racing. And the other difference, the bigger difference, there's 162 baseball games a year for every team, including tons a day. You could watch baseball for seven hours a day if you wanted, right? It seems like these days. And that's great. That's good. That's fine. If you you, know, you get three straight back-to-back-to-back, two-hour, 15-minute games, it's basically seven hours of baseball you can watch. 
I don't want my NASCAR cut down to two hours and 15 minutes and then my day is done for that because I love racing. That's my hobby. That's what I enjoy. That's my passion. So I finally have two hours and 15 minutes of racing. I feel robbed uh, because I'm not going to get my seven hours of racing like I can get seven hours of baseball or nine hours of NFL in a single weekend. I'm going to get two hours and 15 minutes of the Cup Series. I'm glad we have Xfinity. I'm glad we have trucks. I'm glad we have IndyCar. But... You know, it, those are spread out over three days, whereas, you know, we get so much more baseball, so much more football, so much more NBA, so much more NHL. We don't get as much time for NASCAR. Um, even golf, it's a seven, eight-hour day for four days in a row because there's guys teeing off early, teeing off middle, teeing off late, and they all play four-hour rounds. So you get like seven hours a day of golf for four days. We don't get that for NASCAR. We get uh, we maybe we get practice and we get qualifying, but as far as like actual results, the thing that contributes to the actual results, uh, we get two hours and a half, three hours, uh, maybe three and a half hours one time a week uh, for a cup, and then I was gonna say yeah, maybe for Xfinity, maybe have... for maybe for trucks, and and then if you like IndyCar or Formula One as well, yeah, yeah. So it's just interesting, you know. Where, where these races are going uh, i know i know the the ratings were up comparatively to last year but at the same time last year's martinsville race was rain delayed and everything else you know and they weren't really comparing apples to apples there in my opinion but yeah I agree. um and also chase elliott came back this week so whether that had a major impact on ratings um i don't think there's enough proof there uh, I'd say news. not. I'd say not simply because if you look at Richmond two weeks ago and Martinsville this week, which are pretty comparable, both were on FS1, neither experienced like rain delays or anything. They basically had the same number of viewers. In fact, Martinsville was slightly less, so that would negate the Chase Elliott theory. Yeah, because Chase Elliott, the, the race that didn't have Chase Elliott, had a few more viewers. Yeah. Uh, other news that broke today: uh, College Racing's penalty got overturned <laughs> um you know that was this might be my wine about it so yeah i i saw yeah, from but, your tweet i was like i bet this is gonna be his wine about it <laughs> i have so many things i want to whine about so but screw it let's uh, it. let's 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 get right into wine about it um okay college racing same exact same exact thing that Hendrick Motorsports went through at Phoenix. Uh, problems with the louvers or whatever they're called on the car. Uh, colleague, colleague, or Hendrick went through the uh, um, appeal process, got the penalty reduced. Colleague went through the appeal process. The penalty did not get reduced. Had fans pissed off. Um, went through a second appeal process with Colleague and NASCAR came out today and was like in an interest, basically like in an interest of fairness, uh, college racing's penalty is getting rescinded and people are now, Oh yes, NASCAR did the right thing. Uh, good job, NASCAR, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, absolutely fucking not. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are we celebrating this absolute fucking clown show of an organization that constantly makes these awful calls, just completely pulling shit out of their ass and then they, after weeks, make up, make what should have been the right call in the first place. And now all of a sudden they're, they're a great sport. Why are we patting them on the back for this? I don't get it. Like this is, 
this whole appeals process has been an absolute joke and everything else. I don't think NASCAR deserved any credit. If anything, they should get more criticism now because it mm-hmm. just exploited how much of a, pr- a fucking joke this process is. Like, what is the point of this appeals process? If you have two different appeals boards that, that look at the exact same situation, come to different um, decisions on it. And then NASCAR eventually steps in who put the penalties down in the first place and then says, yes, you know, this is a good move yeah. that the second appeal took the points away. What are you talking about? What is this? Like, it, it, I cannot believe it, that there are not more people up in arms about this. It is bad. It's a terrible situation um, because it looks horrible through the whole process. It, it look, it, you're 100% right. The only thing that I think I will agree with all the people on Twitter, I, at the end, don't we want Hendrick and colleagues penalties to be the same? I think that's like where, okay, that at least is correct. If they have the same infraction, they have the same result. So we got there, but the way we got it a hundred percent, what you're saying was in it's in a way it's not like NASCAR's fault because they followed the process to a T, but the problem is that means the process is a big joke. The process is horseshit. Yeah. So everything was done correctly done as it should be done. The problem is that process is, is, very obviously flawed looking at this exact situation. It's it's very clearly flawed. Um, and so NASCAR is going to have to take a hard look at how do we change this process to make it far less flawed because this is very flawed. Yeah. So I feel like I, I feel like that's that's the big thing. And, and I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a wine about it. Part two for me this week. Yes, let's go. This actually this actually segues very well. So I think people are, you know, obviously happy uh, with with that part of it, but they're but they're but they're missing the entire picture of this, and not understanding how much of a how much that process just absolutely sucks, and that there's still a major problem. So part this is my second whine about it. This is part two. Um, people that are complaining about the Martinsville race, the Martinsville racing, the product on track. I understand it entirely. Get it completely. I will sit here and bitch about it as well. It sucked. Uh, short track racing has not been great with this new car, with this new package. Um, but we cannot dismiss the fact that before this new car, the racing at mile and a half and the racing at big ovals was awful. You cannot dismiss the fact that the racing at those ovals, those bigger tracks, is now better. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have anything that makes the racing uniformly good at every single racetrack. It's not going to happen. So I understand people sitting here getting all up in arms. And this, that's my favorite phrase tonight, by the way. I don't know why. but Up in arms, yeah. Yeah. Um, people are getting upset and saying NASCAR needs to make these major changes, which, by the way, they are not going to make any changes to the engines. Like, no. I don't think you – I don't think people understand how – big of a process that would be that's not that's not a willy-nilly situation that you do but you cannot you can sit here and bitch about the on-track product and say things need to change but you also cannot dismiss the fact that the racing is better at other areas and other tracks that completely sucked before right now the racing at 
uh, road courses, now that they've taken the stage cautions out, might be the best racing on road courses we've seen in a while, in my opinion. We have a very small sample size, but I think it's going to get very better. The racing, obviously, at mile and a half, which was the, the – and the bad thing for NASCAR is, you know, they've quote-unquote fixed they, – they haven't fixed, but they've significantly improved the racing at the mile and a half now that they've taken the schedule and taken most of the mile and a half off. It's yeah. it's not as impactful, but right, right, exactly. People complain about this racing. You cannot forget the fact that there are areas that have been significantly improved. And I know this is like kind of going against wine about it and going against me, quote unquote. I got another tweet about me never saying anything positive about NASCAR, but uh, you cannot uh, cannot dismiss this fact that that the racing is better at other places, and then you know just completely, I want to say overreact. I think that's what people are doing to this bad Martinsville race because, uh, I, I, in my opinion, I kind of knew what we were getting into after after last year. Yeah, exactly. And and I actually I 100% agree with you. I'm glad you mentioned it, but I was going to say it if you didn't. The schedule is funny because, you know, the mile and a half used to be the bread and butter of NASCAR. And they made those better, but they chopped off six of them or whatever. So yeah. it, was, it was one of those funny things where, like, you – you intentionally cut those down, but then you also tried to make those better, which is good. We want those to be better. I'm not saying you should make those better, but by doing that, you hurt the part that you grew more, which is the short tracks, the road courses. They're getting in the right direction on the road courses, like you said. Um, lower downforce package, removing the stages. That was definitely a good coda race. Uh, it was the best coda race we've seen, for sure, of the three. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, it was like... They're kind of coming to, I don't know, it's not the right word, but like kind of coming to a central point of like, we've we've removed the cookie cutterness of all those mile and a half. So we've made them better, and, and you know we've added more sh- short track, road course, dirt, whatever. But we've made them a little worse, so it's kind of like pulling everything back towards the middle, like everything. So now everything is just in the middle, which is fine. Uh, it's it's there are there are obviously even when everything even when your standard deviation narrows you're still going to have upside and downside so you know it's it's going to be that way so the worst races that we have now uh, to be fair last year's martinsville is maybe one of the worst i've ever seen i didn't see this year's martinsville um but some of the other like bad races bristol dirt first year was there with that but they are not necessarily on the level of like the worst races at all time I've ever seen in NASCAR. They're close, yeah. but they're not there. Like the, the standard deviations narrowing a little bit. Um, the the I think the upside on some of these has has maybe narrowed a little bit as well. Last season, you know, greatest season ever, debatable. I still think 2011 was the greatest season ever, especially with the way the the championship race fizzled out. Uh, but uh, you know, I I still think there's it's a good overall direction of the bell curve and fans on the bad weekends don't recognize that. So that, I think that's kind of the intention of your bell curve uh, or of your bell curve of your wine about it is like, people are not recognizing that like NASCAR has actually made some things better. So yeah. I know that goes, like you said, it goes against, which it's yeah, but now you're whining, but we don't have to whine about NASCAR. We can whine about whatever we want to whine about. And so you're whining about people whining about NASCAR for that, for bad races. And then not, you know, 
not realizing that, you know, it's not a whole disaster with all of NASCAR. It's just the specific area. Yeah, exactly. You get it. That's perfectly uh, explained. So you're whining about it now. Well, I didn't get to see the NASCAR race. That's what I'm whining about. Like, I I understand NASCAR has these later start times. And I understand it's for the TV ratings. But when you go head-to-head against another premier racing series, that's going to cut into your numbers that you're trying to grow by going later. So why not just go earlier? Then I could watch the NASCAR race and watch the IndyCar race and both series get my view. Instead, only IndyCar gets my view because I was there in person to watch IndyCar. Um, If I was at home, I could have both on TV, but even then, not everybody has the ability to do that. Not everybody's ability to stream one and watch the other or, or this, that, or the other. So you're, you know, it, it's like you're growing a third limb just to cut your other one off in some ways by doing these later start times on Sundays. But then you, if you're going directly opposite IndyCar. Now, IndyCar has no option to go much later because they're on the West Coast. So a 12.30 IndyCar start time West Coast is 3.30 Eastern. So I guess IndyCar could start at 3.30 for Long Beach, I guess. But they're trying to open the streets of Long Beach up again. So they're trying to end this day earlier so they can start tearing everything down and opening things back up for traffic. So that's the issue with a street course race, which IndyCar has a bunch of those. IndyCar is not going to just abandon street street races. So they have to start those with enough time to be able to start the teardown before it gets dark. Um, so that's the, the issue. That's why they also have things like time limits on the race. So that, you know, they don't run six hours and they're finishing right before sunset. They need to start tearing down these, these, the stuff to get the, the city open again. Um, not the whole city shut down. Obviously it's a very specific part, but, um, it's just a thing they need to do. So they are kind of, their hands are tied much more than NASCAR's hands are tied with the start time. NASCAR could start Martinsville at 1230, one o'clock like they did years ago and, Maybe they lose viewership, but they gain some of it back by not being directly head-to-head with IndyCar. I know it sounds simplistic. I know I'm making it more simplistic. I know I've been for NASCAR doing what they need to do to get their TV viewership numbers to where they want to be because that way we get to watch more NASCAR. Uh, if, If we don't get a good TV package, we get to watch less of it and maybe lower quality of it on TV. Uh, so we want the best possible TV deal we can get as fans. I just feel like this specific race is probably a spot where you could move it and it's not going to kill you, um, for one race. Uh, and just having IndyCar and NASCAR going head to head against each other just sucks. It sucks, man. It sucks. But what can you do? Uh, at least as far as they're both going to run on Sunday, I guess maybe you make Maybe you make one of them run on Saturday, but it doesn't, that's not how it works, man. Like IndyCar is a premier event, so they have a bunch of feeder races as well, right? We had the the stadium super trucks there. We had the IMSA sports car race there. Sometimes they'll have the Indy next series, the NXT, uh, or or maybe even the lower like single A, double A versions of of that as well. The, the F2000, USF2000. So um, it's it's tough. But I feel like there could be opportunities, and I'm 
putting more of this on NASCAR simply for this race, but I think there may be another opportunity or two as well for IndyCar and NASCAR to better align their schedules, uh, even if they're racing on the same weekend in very different places, to better align their schedules. I think that'd benefit both series. Yeah, it's... Um, so, like, my, my day job, we work with uh, um, crappie fishing tournament trails, and they have there's other crappie fishing and fishing tournament trails out there and they all kind of work together with their schedules to make sure you know they're not overlapping and stuff it's not like nascar and indycar can't can't communicate here and get this done so uh it, it is going to be interesting to see moving forward because you know nascar is about to negotiate a new uh whether broadcast or streaming deal uh for races so um you know there's definitely been talks of of maybe like someone like an Amazon or an Apple taking over uh, similar to, I mean, YouTube TV just got NFL Sunday ticket after direct TV had it forever. So um, be interesting to see, you know, if, if, if there are any changes to these, to these start times uh, with this new deal, because I don't know, like obviously our viewership is down quite a bit this year, continues to decline. feel like the stuff that they're, that they're changing isn't really working very well. Uh, another thing, and, and uh, I forget who tweeted it. It might have been Dave Moody, who somehow doesn't have me blocked on Twitter yet. <laughs> but uh, if it was him, or if it was him, or uh, whoever else, they mentioned, you know, like the NASCAR schedule. Like we're down to now thirty-six. Uh, obviously, we have thirty-six races. There's one off week. That's it. They get Father's Day off. Uh, and obviously there's, you know, the all-star race weekend that that's technically not a points paying race um, or it's more of an exhibition, but this is a long ass season. And, and you and I know this as, as content yep. creators, this is a long ass season. Like we're already, we're already nine races into the regular season. What is this? Like you count the duels and, and, and the, um, the clash, you know, we're up yeah. to 11, 12 races right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not to the point where I'm burned out yet, but I know summertime rolls around we get we get to the midpoint of the season it's when i start to get a little burned out uh this yeah. is a very long season do you think nascar should change or add off weeks or you know brad keselowski mentioned you know doing more and, and not to mention they've taken away most of the saturday night races like we don't really have mm -hmm. those anymore yeah. so uh you you have any thoughts on this on this schedule you know keselowski i think said you know move some races to saturday night do some uh do some midweek midweek mid races, uh, you know, at short tracks or, or something like that. To help give us a week um, off, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely I, something I think NASCAR should consider. I don't think they will, though. I, as a content creator, I'm for it, right? If we could have a Wednesday race and a Sunday race, like our Monday, Tuesday, whatever, they're they're fine. We're looking at odds. We're we're right doing this podcast, uh, etc. But there's definitely a period of time, like okay, I've got I've got and thankfully I've got a full-time job with action. I've got plenty of time to update my NFL model, to ch try out a few things with this women's world cup, potentially model that I want to do for this summer. Right. So I have some time to play around with some other things that'll benefit action network that I can do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday before track activity really starts. But man, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're slaying dude. Like, especially if it's a truck Xfinity cup weekend, it, it, I know it's tough for me. Those weekends are, are rough. Uh, 
so it would be good to have a week off um, or just Cup or just Xfinity, right? There, those those weekends are very very nice um, when we have at most one series or zero series running. Uh, so from that perspective, from the selfish perspective, yes. And I think that's also where Brad Keselowski is coming from. Like, yeah, it'd be great to have just a week off, right? I mean, I I essentially did take this week off. I I had a vacation week from NASCAR. I did nothing. I did zero content creation for NASCAR uh, after a, like you know midweek or whatever from running my model to just to get some odds and some content for running hot and for the Stacking Denny's podcasts. I I had the week off. I didn't do truck. I didn't do Xfinity. I didn't do Cup. Um, Thank goodness, you know, Action Network is under the same umbrella as Roto-Grinders. So I was able to rely on my Roto-Grinders friend, Stevie Young, there to uh, help with the work load there. And obviously, he knows I'll return the favor anytime. So I had a vacation week. It was a, a much needed, especially because I work NFL all year. I literally don't have a weekend off between NFL and NASCAR. I don't. I don't have a single weekend off, I don't think. Um Maybe maybe one between NFL and NASCAR, but that's not even really because uh, you're you're preparing for NASCAR. So I guess maybe I have like two or three throughout the whole year where I don't have NFL or NASCAR races to do. So it was nice to have a fourth weekend or whatever. You know, let's say I have three. It's nice to have a fourth weekend in there for me by being able to take this vacation and go to that race. If I'm going to another race this year, I'm still doing content. Like it's not going to be a work vacation. It is going to be going to the race, but I'm still doing my work. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's going to have to be a not vacation race weekend. And I do believe I'm going to get to at least, at least one, probably two or three more races this year. Um, we'll have to see there's, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces, uh, especially with NFL season, but I think I'll be able to get to at least one, if not two or three more races this year between NASCAR and IndyCar. Uh, so yeah, we'll just have to we'll have to see, but I agree. I think it'd be nice to have an extra weekend or two off for everybody that's involved with the industry. I don't think it's just yeah. a driver thing. I don't think it's just a me and you thing. Uh, I think everybody in the industry would would love an extra week off. How do we make that happen? So, but, yeah. but at the same time, I don't want my 17 race IndyCar schedule. I want like a 20 race IndyCar schedule. Like it used to be in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had 18, 19, 20, 21 races for IndyCar. 17 is too short. Um, and it's too short of a season. It goes from March until September, I believe now. I don't even think it runs into October. Let me pull up the IndyCar schedule real quick. Uh, because I know Kyle Kirkwood's birthday last year was in the off season, uh, which is mid-October. Yeah, so it runs, to, it runs March 5th to September 10th. So that's six months out of the year. And then they have six months off. That's too much time off. For me, for a series that I love, so I'd love to see a twenty race schedule where they go in in October, early October maybe. Um, I mean, they have a month off right after right after St. Petersburg, March fifth, April second. There's a month off. You could throw one race in there and extend the 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 season by, you know, at most a month, but two races. If you took a week off between each of those final two races, so nineteen and race nineteen and race twenty by tacking on two more you'd push into early October and that's, I'd like to see that for IndyCar, but for NASCAR, I want to keep 36 races. I think 36 is a good number, but we need to work some off weeks in there for, for NASCAR. Yeah. I'm not opposed to, to Keselowski's idea there. I think that's a, that's a pretty solid one that needs some discussion uh, and hopefully NASCAR takes it seriously. 
I agree. Um, but yeah, so uh, 36 races um, in the season. We are now nine done. So we are a quarter of the way through the year. Looking at the standings, Christopher Bell still the points leader over Ross Chastain by five. Kevin Harvick, who had another great, great car at Martinsville, didn't get the finish, um, but was super fast yet again. Larson gets his second win. He is now fourth in points, and then Truex is fifth in points, despite not running. I mean, Truex is not running that great this year, but obviously mm. he's getting the points. Um, any surprises? Uh, you know, we got we still got Stenhouse, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Another solid finish, top ten at uh, at Martinsville this past weekend. He's sitting thirteenth in the points. <clears throat> Brad Keselowski sitting there twelfth. Uh, looking at playoff points. We now have – I'm not sure this is updated. We Byron have, has Larson 15. With 12. Okay, Larson has 12. Byron has 10 because of the five-point playoff point penalty, I believe. Yeah, Racing Reference doesn't believe in taking that off, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, Byron has 10. Larson leads with 12 in terms of playoff points. Then Byron, 10. Uh, looks like next is Tyler Reddick with seven, Joey Logano with six, and then everybody else has five or fewer, including Alex Bowman with negative five. <laughs> yeah, still rooting for that. Um, but yeah, Kyle Larson's second win of the year. Does do you think that makes him now? Is he solidly the the championship favorite right now? I know we don't like talking championship, but. For him to get two two wins early on in, in the season, he could easily have four, if we're being honest. He could have won Phoenix. He could have won Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larson could be By- a four. Byron could, right have, Byron could have three or four wins as well, though. So I think it's between right. him, Byron, and Chase Elliott. If, if big if, Chase Elliott's, uh, you know, leg heals properly and he, he doesn't really affect him. Obviously, he had a, a good finish there. But he still, he still needs to get into the playoffs. He needs to get a win probably to get into the playoffs. I don't know if he's going to be able to get into the top 16, right? Right now he is, uh, Chris Buescher is 16th with 206 points. Chase Elliott has 76. So he's 130 behind Busher. And that doesn't count if anybody outside the top 16 wins a race as well. So there's always going to be that thing. Like we got to keep an eye on Chase Elliott. So that reduces his, his downside or increases his downside, reduces his upside enough, I guess, by the little bit of a threat to not make the playoffs that I think probably Larson's the the favorite for sure. And then I think you probably have to put Byron too just because of what Elliott's situation is. And then and I think there's a, a bigger question about who's three, maybe Bell and Elliott like tied third or something like that. But for me, you mentioned Martin Truex Jr. He's sitting fifth in the points. He only has 37 stage points, which is uh, not even inside the top t- 12, I don't think, in terms of stage points. Let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He's 11th in stage points. That, and, But he's 5th in, in season points because he's finished between 3rd and 19th every race. So he's been like, I'm going to use the, the Zoomer, is it Zoomer language these days? I don't know what generation we're on, but like that, he's just, he's been that term, what they call mid, uh, and like, he's just been mid and I never say that, but I feel like I just say, I saw a tweet from my, my action network coworker, Anthony DeBundo, that was like the battle of mid. And that was like, is this 
Jose Barrios versus Luis Garcia tomorrow. I'm assuming those are two baseball pitchers or something. The battle of mid. Well, Martin Truex Jr., he's been mid this year. So I don't think he's... I think we got to recalibrate our Martin Truex Jr. expectations. He's no longer a 12-to-1 driver. He's a 16-to-1 driver. And I'm not talking championship. I'm talking, like, races, right? How many races has the guy won in the last two years? He's technically zero points-paying races and just the one exhibition race. It's been 36 plus 9 is 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54 races since Martin Truex Jr. last won a points-paying race. So we're not talking a guy that should be 12 to 1 anymore or 8 to 1 or 10 to 1. We're talking a guy we need to recalibrate our expectations that maybe the shortest he should be is 16 to 1 right now. Um, it, it's a little unfair because he's had races he could, maybe should have won, but he hasn't. So that's why I'm saying, and even just looking at top three finishes, Martinsville this year, which was this past weekend, no top three finishes last year. He had none, no top three finishes last year. And then second in the championship race in 2021, uh, would be his next most recent top three finishes last year. He only had one two, three top five, four top fives, and they're all fourth or fifth place finishes, right? This isn't a guy that's running in the top five all the time anymore. So we got to recalibrate our Martian, Martin Truex Jr. expectations here. You could have you could have told me that he only had four top fives and zero top threes last year, and I would have never believed you. And I actually yep. had to look it up. That yep. is uh, – and, and one of those top fives was Talladega, so – I mean, you can, in my opinion, just throw that out. So he only had three, in, in you know, in my, in my mm-hmm. eyes. Um, yep. Wow, exactly. that's that's interesting. Um, hmm. But yeah, completely agree with you. And you know, looking at uh, looking at stage points this year, like you said, Truex has thirty-seven. Austin Cindric has thirty-four. You know who has less than those two? Ryan Blaney with thirty-three. Kyle Busch with thirty-two. Like we talked about, obviously the big story last year was Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, struggling and not getting the win, but it, it appears that that has continued on this year. Yeah, I didn't even realize Blaney has even less. He's been even more mid, <laughs> I guess, than Truex in terms of results and stage points. Truex reminds me of. Kevin Harvick from 2021, not so not last year, but two years ago, Kevin Harvick, when Stuart Haas Racing, right? You remember Harvick won nine, had that nine-win year, didn't make the championship four. The next year, all of Stuart Haas took a step back. Like, that's what Truex reminds me of now, was that 2021 Harvick where all of Stuart Haas Racing took a step back, but at least Harvick was good enough to still make bring home consistent finishes but the difference is Harvick finished 4th 6th 5th 20th 6th 10th 15th 9th in the first uh 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 and then 24th in the first 9 races so those are a lot of top 10s Truex has just two three sorry um and only one top 5 so it's not even that level of of Harvick Harvick fell off that year Stuart Haas did I don't necessarily think Harvick as a driver did, but Stuart Haas as a team did, and Harvick carried the team, but they were just a much inferior, more inferior team. We're at the point where Truex is legitimately just mid. 
Uh, and it and it sucks to say that, but that's where we are right now. Uh, as long as these results stay the way they are staying, and the way he's running stays the way it has been, so um, he'll probably have better tracks ahead for him. You know, Dover, Kansas, Darlington, Charlotte, all should be good for him. So we're about to run into a four race stretch that should be good for him, which will really tell us where Truex is at this point in the year. Um, but it won't be Talladega because we know he's never won a super speedway race ever. Uh, so as far as like a points paying race, so we'll have to see in that four race stretch of Dover, Kansas, Darlington, and Charlotte, where the real Martin Truex Jr. is. Will the real Martin Truex Jr. please stand up? <laughs> My mind went there as well. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm still surprised, you know, we, Kyle Busch is someone, um, you know, that we talked about, like, obviously he got that win at auto club, but so it's really surprising me that he has less, uh, stage points than, you know, Austin Cindric and, and Truex there. Um, Legato's not too far ahead of Truex either. He's at, he's at 44. Truex is at 37, uh, when it comes to those stage points. So, um, yeah, something to keep an eye on for sure. Definitely. Um, um, as far as as far point. as the rest of the standings, yeah, I was gonna say as far as the rest of the standings, obviously Stenhouse another eighth at Martinsville. I don't know if we've ever said Stenhouse Stenhouse eighth at Martinsville. It just doesn't seem like a track that's ever been a, a Stenhouse track. He had two tenth place finishes in 2017. Uh, was this his career best Martinsville finish? I honestly don't know. I haven't looked up that stuff, but and I know somebody asked, is Stenhouse this year's McDowell? Uh, possibly, probably, right? Like Stenhouse only has 13 stage points. He has that one win from Daytona and he's a better Daytona driver than McDowell. Um, there, there's no question about it. He leads, McDowell doesn't lead. So they're different in that regard. But based off of the finishes they've had this year, Stenhouse kind of having a JTG Doherty career. I think, I know back when he was with Roush, they had better cars and stuff. And he, he maybe he had a, a car that was capable of having the year he has had this year, but we're arguably seeing Stenhouse having the, the career year relative to his equipment. Yeah, you asked about him uh, at Martinsville. That is his best. That's his, that's his only single-digit finish at Martinsville ever. Yeah. And uh, 21 career starts now. So, you you, And actually, while we're thinking about that, while we're thinking about it, you mentioned something earlier, the fall-off, right? There's no fall-off and – it brought me back to so you're like, well, why didn't many more people run this strategy where they, uh, you know, take no tires, take two tires late in the race? We and it was the same thing last year when Chris Busher won at Bristol. I remember we were like, why the hell did Harvick come in and take four tires or whatever it was? And Busher either stayed out or took fuel only or two tires. You know, he did some way to gain the track position. Harvick never passed him. The fall-off at these short tracks isn't what it used to be, and it's so frustrating. We need that fall-off back. That you, The Stenhouse thing triggered me here because I'm sure he probably didn't run eighth on speed. I'm sure he probably got track position towards the end of the race there and, and held on to it. Yeah, you look at some of these guys that finished up front. Joey Logano had a driver rating of 72.9. Uh, Truex had a driver rating of 85.0. I know you don't really love driver rating, but it's a quick stat for me to pull here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stenhouse. Stenhouse, who finished 8th, uh, 72.9. Chase Elliott, who finished 10th, 61.0. These these guys weren't running up front uh, that race. One guy that had, that was really fast, especially early on, was Alex Bowman. He finished 11th, uh, 92.2 driver rating. 
But, um, you know, the guys basically that, that ran the best and, and didn't have issues were uh, – Stuart Haas was super strong in this race. But Briscoe, Hamlin, Larson, Almirola, they had the highest driver ratings in this race. They all finished top six. Um, and then, you know, Harvick, uh, he won the second stage. He was fifth in driver rating. He finished 20th. I think he had a speeding issue, if I remember right, or something happened. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Ryan Priest, you know, obviously had that, that issue. But, um, you know, going back to just to wrap up this standings thing here, I want to point out someone that's absolutely sucking. Uh, Noah Gregson. <laughs> you look at the owners, you look at the owner standings. Noah Gregson, the 42 for Legacy Motor Club is 33rd in owner's points. Behind the 15 of Rick Ware Racing. Yep. Let's put that into perspective, how much Noah Gregson is sucking this year. I mean, that's just awful. Um, who's uh, who's 30, 31st in owner's points? Harrison, or the 21. And then, and then 30th is, is the 43 for Legacy. Yeah, Eric Jones. So, um... It's definitely been a year where, you know, the, these legacy these guys, Club Legacy is, Motor Club, is a huge step back. Huge, like massive. Eric Jones has three stage points. Three. Yeah. Gregson has one. Just That's to put it in perspective, uh, Jimmy Johnson has four. Last year, Eric Jones had 110 stage points. 110. His three this year. And I know we're only nine races in, but if you multiply that by four, that's 12. He's on pace for like almost 90% reduction in stage points. I, this is one thing. And, and, you know, we've, we've talked about it a few times this year on here on stacking Denny's, but this drop off by legacy is something that I don't understand at all. They, I mean, no. they won a race last year. They and a legitimate race, not a, not a super speedway. They won a real race. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, like a, super speedways, and, you can discount. They, they won a real damn race. And don't forget, Eric Jones, like he could have won Auto Club last year too. Like, they're yeah. the this team has gone from, in my opinion like fringe race contender to near shitbox, And I have yeah. no idea why, no I idea why it's, it's weird. I agree with you hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for the, for the day that, uh, like some kind of news breaks where, uh, that explains this, but you know, um, but yeah, that's all I got for, for standings updates. You got anything else there? Um, I'll just note that Justin Haley's 100 points that he got back now puts him 25th in the points. So he is right behind some guy named Todd Gilliland, who was having a very strong run from everything I saw. Just didn't work out at the end. I I guess he dropped a cylinder or something. But without that, he probably would have had his fifth straight top 15. Yeah, he was. uh, And I think part of it was due to, to pit strategy, but he was legitimately running top 10. Like, Gillen looks strong yet again. Uh, and now, yep. you know, this week he's getting taken out of his car. He's, he's racing the 36 this week for, for, uh, 
he will be at – it is a front row car, but, yeah, he's getting taken out again. And You know, last time he got taken out of the car is when his hot streak started. So uh, another underdog to keep an eye on, which is, yeah. Yeah. Just cool to see. But, yeah, Talladega this weekend, uh, I know it's definitely one of your favorite races uh, from a DFS perspective. And obviously people uh, – a lot of people like Talladega, just super speedways in general. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about previewing and, and, and us previewing Talladega and Daytona is it's a lot of hypotheticals. It's a lot of, you know, this could be cool. This, this, this could be a good bet, but yeah, these are the most unpredictable races uh, on the schedule. And it's like, I don't think a lot of, like, obviously new listeners, uh, people just getting into the sport don't realize the difference between a Talladega race and, and, you know, even a Martinsville race or a, a, a Phoenix race. When I make my DFS lineups for Talladega and Daytona, I put the randomization of the optimizer as high as it will go. This is how mm-hmm. random these races are. I don't care. Like, I just have a basic strategy of how I build these lineups. I don't care who's in it and or anything else. Like, yeah. that's how crazy and random these races are so keep that in mind you know when we're talking about and previewing this upcoming race um at talladega we really don't (laughs) know like we have a good idea of who's good at these races uh we have we have theories on you know who is strong at daytona and who who should be strong at talladega but the fact of the matter is anything can happen and, and pretty much anyone in the field can win these races so uh did anybody you know opening odds came out joey logano is you know, the consensus favorite uh, among books this week. Did anybody pop out to you as possibly an early week bet? Because I got one, um, but I'm going to let you go first. We might be on the same guy, but there was one that just kind of, you know, you always have those that kind of just catch your eye. Uh, I I actually did have one this week. I haven't bet it, but, uh, but one definitely did catch my eye. I bet mine and I'm not going to be able to officially track it because I bet it and didn't didn't track it and it's moved because I bet it. And it's just a thing I need to get used to. I used to be able to bet it and then track it. Now when I bet it, it moves. Period. Yeah. If I bet the, the, the bet, it moves. So that was a fuck up on my part. So I'm not going to count it towards my official results or standings. But I do have the bet slip if you need it. I mean, you saw my Kyle Kirkwood bet slip. I'm not sh- blowing shit up your ass. Uh, I took Ty Gibbs 12-1 to 1 as top Toyota. Hmm. So... That's the only bet I have made so far this week. Uh, I haven't made an outright bet, <clears throat> but I, I, I honestly, I don't know if I will. Um, I haven't. I've barely digested lines, like I said. Uh, I've been. Today was my catch-up day with normal work, and uh, so, and then I did my taxes after that. So it's like, okay, uh, and I <laughs> had to go grocery shopping after that before stacking Denny's, so I could get some, uh, some, some beer and some wine and and. As part of our sponsorship of uh, Stephen Malazia, getting some more Luvabella wine. That's uh, so why I'm wearing the, the Luvabella hat today. So I uh, always want to thank them, that, especially thank them for not only sponsoring the podcast, but again, helping with the sponsorship on Malazi. So yeah, I've, I've barely looked at shit as far as like outright odds. Um, I know I saw a question, anybody you take 50 or, or longer... I haven't seen anything yet. It doesn't mean that that doesn't exist. I just haven't seen anything yet. You you might have somebody. Um, one thing I'll notice, like we, we've talked several times about these books this year, getting sharper and, and odds just overall tightening up. And 
and this could actually be a, a whine about it too. You know, we saw news broke last week that Chase Elliott um, was was coming back at Martinsville, and and you tweeted about it, DraftKings. You know, they just took Barry off the board and added in Chase Elliott at seven to one. Did not adjust anybody else. You know, that could be an entire whine about it segment for what these books are doing. But um, so Caesars opened up Austin Hill at twenty to one to win to win the Cup race. Uh, he has since, I think, moved to 40 to one, but, um, there's really like, like I said, there's one driver that, that has stood out. Everything else is pretty much in line to, to where I would expect everything. Uh, Bubba Wallace opened 22 to one on DraftKings, And I feel like that's the one that stood out to me. I think he's 20 to one now. I don't, I still don't hate it at 20 to one. Um, if I'm going to, if I'm going to bet anyone outright early in the week, it's going to be Bubba. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, by the way, before before you answer, or before you respond to that, how much did you hate yourself betting on Ty Gibbs as top Toyota? I just can't. I can't stand the kid. Cannot stand the kid. I hate him. I I, I hate him. <laughs> I I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not saying I hate him in a way where like I want people to flame him on the internet. And no, no, I'm not gonna do that. I, we all get it. it this goes back to my mental health whine about it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not here to be like, this guy's a piece of crap. Let's all tweet at him and bl-. no, I just hate him and how he races and and whatever. Like generally, we, as we all person. know, we all know. Yeah, but that doesn't matter when I bet somebody. Uh, I can take my Kyle Kirkwood bias out and be like, this is a good Kyle Kirkwood bet or a bad Kyle Kirkwood bet. 100% no, the Long Beach bet was not only a good one, a great one. Um, I 100% know the times I have bet on him, I will say this is a good Kyle Kirkwood bet, and I know there have been times I've bet on him where I said this is a bad Kyle Kirkwood bet, but I'm a fan, and it's entertainment, purely entertainment. Yep. Ty Gibbs, I hated betting on 12-1 to 1 just because I'm very much not a fan. It's like when I bet on Joey Logano, although Logano's growing on, him, on me off track. I still don't like him on track, so... It's kind of like how old Joey Logano bets were for me. Like, I bet him because it made sense um, when it would make sense. Same thing with Ty Gibbs, 12-1 to top Toyota. All those Toyotas are good, right? Like, they're all good. Ty Gibbs is not a bad driver, and he's getting better. And if chaos happens, or even if chaos doesn't happen, he can still find his way as the top Toyota. Uh, So, you know, six Toyotas. Five to one would be equal on all of them uh, if there was no juice no hold five to one on all of them would be equal odds 12 to one's just too long he should be like eight and i think that i did i think i ended up moving him to eight so uh i don't think i'd necessarily bet him at eight right because that's like one out of every nine super speedway races maybe i would maybe maybe i'd make bet him down to seven but we're right in that spot where like he's probably the worst of the six right now but it still should run a lot closer together than we think so those are the kinds of things i look for at super speedways where are things where are the bigger discrepancies than they should be? And that's where I'll bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was looking at some I was looking at qualifying odds, actually. Um, and just overall, it's here. Like, there's just nothing like. Remember, I miss the days when I would get excited looking at Talladega or Daytona odds, where there'd be like actual value in some long shots but there's just there's nothing man it's yeah 
it's, it's unfortunate uh, that we've gotten to the point where we are with um, with sports betting in NASCAR. And I don't know. I don't know if it's going to change, if it's going to get better or worse. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there's plenty of people, you know, within NASCAR, within this industry that are going to suck the teat of every one of these sports books. But uh, fact of the matter is there's these lines suck. They, like these yeah. offerings suck and they have all year and yeah. uh just not liking them not liking it at all yeah i agree with you. even the qualifying odds like okay so remember remember daytona it was like we all talked about how the fords might be good with this nose change but then the hendrix still ended up winning out at daytona but it was close it was close and then i was like i think for atlanta it's gonna matter more that the fords mm-hmm. have this change um and they did I think we might be back to the Hendrick show and even possibly some Gibbs in there for qualifying this week. But at the same time, they've brought those odds down really far. Like Bowman's probably the best bet at 15 to one for qualifying, but uh, it's, it's tough to say, right? Cause those Fords made those improvement at Atlanta and they made some gains at Daytona easily the best Atlanta. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well they, the, that was great there. Then, what about the Toyotas? Like they're kind of in between, but they've they've occasionally done well at Talladega specifically as far as pole qualifying. So yep. I think it's Chris a little Rebell more wide open this week. Yeah, year. and Truex had a good run or two in some qualifying laps. So I think it's a little more wide open than we think for pole qualifying. So I don't really want to even touch pole qualifying odds. And I was I was very adamant about the Fords at Atlanta because that track, that surface was so new that, you know, they were going to have a lot of grip there, which would help their... The issue is they they streamlined the nose, which reduced the drag, but that also reduces the downforce, which should hurt your handling. But that's why I liked Atlanta more because it, the surface was so new, you'd get so much grip, the handling wasn't wouldn't be as bad here. Daytona feels the most handling-dependent track of of them because it does have tighter corners than Talladega. It doesn't have quite as much banking. Talladega is so wide, so steeply banked, um, so big that I don't think handling comes into play as much here either. So it could be a Fords. It could be Chevys. It could be Toyotas. I don't know. I just want to stay away from qualifying this week. Uh, and I hate qualifying in general, so I'm happy to always sit out qualifying, but I definitely feel like this week's a good week to sit out qualifying. <clears throat> Yeah, if I'm going to bet anybody uh, at qualifying, you mentioned Truex, you know, he started uh, second or third in the spring race here at Talladega last year. He's 28 to 1. I could I could sprinkle a little bit on there and, and have some fun with it. Uh, maybe like a Daniel Suarez at 30 to 1. But yeah, not I'm not loving anything at qualifying. And I rarely bet qualifying. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those, if I get an itch, I kind of do it. But um, top 10 finish. You know, you talked about Ty Gibbs um, being – you bet him top Toyota. He's plus 430 on FanDuel for a top 10. What do you think about that? Yep. Plus 430 for a top 10? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I guess they came out either while we were recording this or right before because uh, I haven't seen these yet. Let me open it up here. I just need to scroll down. Yeah, we, yeah, we should definitely bet that. That's ridiculous. 
Are Michael we, McDowell's plus 430 right for a top 10. Mike, Michael McDowell's plus 430 for a top 10. So... It might be time to do the live bet deal again with top tens. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and uh, get in here, log into my FanDuel account. Yeah, that's what I'm doing too. Seems like this happens a lot. Yep. These top tens for FanDuel are much nicer. Harrison yeah, Burton, they're, seven, they're... seven and a half. Priest, five to one? That doesn't make sense. He's so good at these. LaJoy, five to one? Oh, man. Yep. Are you hitting all of them? Yeah. Yep. All right, I've hit Gibbs, McDowell, LaJoy, Priest, Burton. And there may even be more. Almondinger should not be plus 430. He's really good yeah, at some being, days, honestly. They're being, they're being quite generous here. Uh, Super generous. I almost don't even hate Suarez at plus 210. Don't say that. No. <laughs> Uh, no, he no, he, it's Suarez is super speed. I forgot about that. It's it's Suarez. He's been doing better though, at these. Yeah, I think he has back to back top tens right now, at super yeah. speed. No, I don't think I can do Suarez. I don't think I can do Suarez two ten. But I think these four thirties, these fives, these seven and a halfs, definitely in on those. So um, Gibbs, McDowell, Lejoy, Priest, Burton, Dinger. This is what happens. We record stacking Denny's at our normal time, and we come out with a normal schedule, and FanDuel posts these while we're recording. Much better. I love it. I wonder if that means there's going to be top three value. Mm, probably not. Probably not. This is a little shorter than I'd like. I have to run some numbers. Um, I have, I, Like I said, I haven't run my model. I don't even know if my top ten bets are good, but those are just like, to me... Those are all auto bets every single time. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Like, obviously, we just literally just looked them up and and put them in. So I hit I hit Harrison Burton, Ryan Priest, Ty Gibbs, and Corey LaJoy. Harrison Burton, Ty Gibbs, Priest, and LaJoy, and not McDowell. I need to get McDowell in there. Good call. And for me, AJ Elmendinger, he's always good at these. Finished sixth at Daytona. Um. Finished third in the Daytona 500 in 2017. I don't know if I can get myself to bet uh, Almendinger just out of pure spite. Out of spite. <laughs> the emotional <laughs> the emotional part of it. Oh, no. I, I can see that's the part I can remove is the emotion. I'm pulling up, I'm just, pulling up AJ Almendinger Super Speedway stats for you right now. Non-Atlanta okay. Super Speedway because I think that's bullshit. But Daytona. Talladega, here's AJ Allmendinger. Um, since he joined JTG, or let's say he was with Penske, non shit boxes essentially. AJ Allmendinger has top ten finishes in 
10 of 35, which is plus 250. Okay. If we include, if we include Finch, it's 10 of 36. Yeah. So yeah, plus 260. So he's plus 430, and he's arguably in really good super speedway equipment. I can't believe you're making me do this. He's right. in plus four thirty. In Michael McDowell plus four thirty and oh shit, what the hell's that? Uh, one more guy in there, Justin Haley. Two ten or four thirty. What what is Haley? 430. Oh, Haley. Haley's 430. Yeah, I forgot about Haley. Just trying to type in all these things for my tracking. Yeah. Oh, baby. All right. Well, that's a lot. Yeah, Dinger, McDowell, Gibbs, Haley, Priest, LaJoy, Burton. Seven bets, one unit each, top ten. In. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We are all on the same we are on the same bets. And I didn't even put Gregson there, but maybe I should. Right, we just need two of these to hit to break even at worst. If it's two plus four thirties, we make point six units. But right. if we bet Gregson, I'm saying if we do. Uh but yeah, I'm on I'm on six right here. I didn't take Gilliland at five to one. I don't I guess you know that thirty six car, that's what David Reagan finished well with last year. Uh, that's what he ran in the Daytona 500 last year. No, he ran the 15 last year. Did he? Yeah. He ran the 15 last year. By the way, Gregson does have one top five in, or one top 10 in five career super speedway starts, and that was with Beard Motorsports. Yeah, that's who, uh, that's who Austin Hill's racing with this week that I still can't get over that. He opened 20 to one. Yeah. That's, that's way too short. Um, David Reagan ran the Rick Ware car in 2022. Who uh, can you look up who ran the 36 last year? Yeah. Um, 2022 Daytona 500. Uh, nobody. It was just McDowell and Gilland for front row at the Daytona 500. I wonder what I'm thinking then.
So yeah, right now I'm at those. I haven't done Gilliland at five to one, and I haven't done Gregson at six and a half to one. But maybe I should. Maybe I should. I accidentally tracked something wrong. Oh, uh, in the app? Yeah. I'm betting them first because I don't I don't move the lines at FanDuel. Um plus this is gonna drop before stacking Denny's. So or if I track them, the lines are gonna move before stacking Denny's airs. So I'm gonna try to give the users, the the listeners, a, an opportunity here. Um because I always have my tracking spreadsheet, but obviously I need to track things in the action app as my job. It's one of those weird, like being content creator is the hardest part of all of this because you're trying to balance getting your users the information with actually tracking it in the app that is my company's app and that kind of stuff. So, and it's not just me. It's like everybody in my company, we have this issue of like, well, if we track it, we're moving the line. But we want to track it at the odds. We got it, et cetera. So it's just one of those weird things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, now I have bets for this race. Always cracks me up the live stuff we find here on Stacking Bennings. And I do wish I we'd know, be right? able to, to broadcast this live, but I don't think we'd get any listeners, to be honest with you. I, I, I think people think they want it to be live. And maybe we get five listeners, but that's not, that's just not worth it. No. Because even that impromptu uh, one that we did, that whine about it we did, didn't get enough listeners to make me want to do it again. Exactly. Not that I, you know, not that I thrive off of listeners, but definitely a numbers game at, at some point. Yeah, for sure. Who am I missing here? Okay. <laughs> it's half our podcast now is just going to be tracking these top tens. Right. Um, so I did Gibbs and McDowell. I need to do Dinger. 430. FanDuel. Right. And it's the other thing is like it just takes a little bit of time to do these. Justin Haley. Those are the two I forgot to put too. <laughs> Yeah. So 4.30 on Haley. FanDuel. All right, so I got my 4.30, guys. I need to track Priest and LaJoy. FanDuel. Track. Priest. FanDuel. 500. Track. And then Burton, seven and a half. FanDuel, track. All right, I'm in. I have seven, seven bets tracked, I believe. Yes, I did them all right. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> now we watch him move. Oh, and yeah. now they all locked. They all locked. Did they? Yeah, every, all the top tens locked. No oh, freaking baby. way. Yeah. That cracks well, me that's why, that's why I bet first and then track. Right? right? Because I want to get – if I start tracking, they're just going to lock because people will see them. 
Ah, so dumb. But yep, we both saw him live here in Stacking Denny's. I don't have any other thing to say about that, but, you know, everything's locked now. That was quick. They, they normally don't lock them that quick. It's usually a couple more minutes after that. Yeah. <sighs> Fun stuff. Um, but yep. yeah, great. Thank you. Shout out FanDuel for awesome odds opening for top tens there. For Talladega. Um, and yeah, like you said, we need what? Two to two to hit? To, to profit? Yep. Gives you gives you something to sweat. That's that's what I like. Exactly, exactly. Two to profit. Uh, one of the longer ones, like if we hit like a Harrison Burton and one of the others were profit pretty big. If we hit three, it's like, oh, baby. There we go. Mm. Got to get one more uh, beer crack in there. But, I mean, so like our preview of Talladega is it's a super speedway race. Like there could be a big one. There'll be randomness. DFS, well, you always want to try to go a little contrarian uh, compared to where you think ownerships are going to be. It's the same spiel we give every time at this point. Don't start too many Uh, forward. The big difference between Talladega and, like, the Daytona 500 is qualifying. The ship boxes will probably still be starting in the back, like, and probably taking up all of the back. You won't have as many, like, good drivers starting way in the back. So it changes things. Instead of being like, I need three or four drivers starting in the 30s, I need two or three, maybe, or even one, depending on on how things shake out with qualifying. Uh, one thing to note here: six, last six Talladega races have produced six different winners: Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Brad Keselowski, Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, and Ryan Blaney. Mm-hmm. All with a win over the last six. Um, they all also have finishes outside of the top twenty. So, just to give you a you know, for people that don't really understand this sport or are new, uh, nobody performs well every single time at these racetracks. Uh, best average finish for a driver uh, with more than two starts at this track, Chase Elliott with 14.2, which, uh, you know, that's actually pretty solid for, for a Super Speedway race. Seven top tens in 14 career starts, two wins, five top fives. Uh, did not realize that Elliott's Stats were, I mean, those are pretty solid for, for yeah. a, a super speedway race. But Keselowski, six-time winner at this racetrack. Joey Logano's won three times here. Hamlin twice, Blaney twice. And like I said before, Chase Elliott twice. Um, as far as, you know, I didn't even look at, what are what are Keselowski's odds? That's a good question. I didn't either. Um, 15 at FanDuel. 15, no. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Not looking, not looking at he that. Was, he was what? 25, I think, at one point for the Daytona 500, one book, and most he was 20, though, I think. You know, one guy that another, – another one that kind of sticks out to me, uh, and let me make sure I'm not talking out of my ass here because I, I feel like uh, he's been pretty solid. And, and another caveat here – Track history does not matter at Talladega. It's kind of just something like I I cannot as me as a content provider for NASCAR um, race weekends. Uh, I cannot like just say, oh, it's a gut feeling on this guy. Like I always need to to put numbers into it and and explain it that way. But Kevin Harvick 
is a guy that I really like how he's running this year. And I really like, uh, he, he's, he's been solid at Talladega three top tens, the last four races here. Uh, he's, he won here back in 2010. I just feel like I, I got a gut feeling that this guy's going to win soon. Uh, he is available at 30 to one at DraftKings. I don't hate that one either. I don't hate betting Bubba 20 to one. I don't hate betting Harvick 30 to one. If I'm going to bet anybody outright, it's going to be those two. I, um, Kevin Harvick is circa, circa just dropped. Kevin Harvick is 34 to one. Kevin Harvick's 34 to one. Eric Almarola is 34 to one. I love that. And Bubba Wallace is 25 to one there. Oh yeah. I'd take, I would jump at that if I could. Yeah. I got to get Bubba. I'll, I'll be getting Bubba at 25 at circa. Um, going to put that in right now, actually. And then let's see. Trix is 44 to one. <laughs> as much I know he's never won a super speeder race, but I don't hate 44 to one. Circa with very, that's, very fair, fair odds. I will say that. So that's, uh, that's, that's the, always the funny part for me for these super speeder races is like, I'll always come in and be like, they're so unpredictable. I don't really like that many lines. And then, you know, as the week goes on, I'm always like, okay, this one looks, this one looks all right. This one looks all right. That's fine. Yeah, I know exactly. It, like, you know, I'm, I'm betting 20, I have 20 different bets out there. Um, yeah. Have it they every have time. Austin every Dillon, time. Austin Dillon, 34, Austin Hill, 34, Austin Cindric 30. Um, Am I missing something on Austin Hill? Why, why are no, all these books so you're not. on him? He's like plus three fifty for the Xfinity race, which is stupid. He's super good at these, but I don't see it for a Cup race. Like he wasn't good at the Daytona five hundred. Did he even make it? I don't yeah. even think he made it. So, but he was yeah, he was like sixty, seventy, eighty for the Daytona five hundred, and he didn't even make it. I don't know. Um, yeah, no. Circa with really good odds. The the favorites. There are four co-favorites. They are Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, and Chase Elliott. They are all thirteen to one as the favorite. Oh, and Ryan Blaney, thirteen to one. Five co-favorites at thirteen to one, which is awesome because DraftKings has four drivers at twelve or less, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know it, it's a really good job by Circa setting these these odds. Caesars has. One, two, three, four, five drivers at 12 or less. So Circa having five co-favorites at 13, they know how to bookmake. Move to a Circa state if you can. <laughs> Move to a Circa state if you can. Mm. So uh, we just, we actually just had a question just come in. Or I just got a DM as we're recording this. And this actually goes very well with what we're discussing right now. Uh Question for Stack and Denny's. Can you discuss how the books set up their lines for the weekend? I follow Nick on Action and App with notifications sent to Instant, but the lines he gets are always way better than what I have access to. It's 10.30 p.m. on a Tuesday night, and I just saw both of you put through bets, none of which are available to me here in Colorado at the moment. How can we tell you guys accurately? Here's the thing. A lot of times when Nick and I put in bets and track them, the books take the odds down. Or they move them, mm-hmm. and yep. there's not much we can do about this. Like there's at this there's point, literally it's, seconds. It's, there's literally I have I have Discord open right now, 
I got one of the top 10 bets in for FanDuel locked him. The next person. I got three. Um, I'm mad FanDuel Pennsylvania didn't have them. And then somebody else said, I got five of the seven. And the other two I missed were the colleague cars. Like, these bets are going – people are like, are like you. So the person asking the question, the other people are you. They get the instant notification. They go in. They start betting them. FanDuel realizes a ton of action is coming, and they lock it. Mm-hmm. And it's however many you can get in before they're gone. And that's the problem with being so notorious in this industry is when we track lines, they move pretty quickly, if not within seconds, within minutes. So it's just, it sucks, but that's just the nature of the beast. And we got to yeah. take it. We will always take care of ourselves first and then track other, although I forgot to with the Ty Gibbs bet because I'm a moron and I'm on vacation brain. But by and large, we will bet our thing and then track. And and very often, like with Caesars, I know for sure with Caesars, I know when I'm gonna like move a line. So I'll try to track and give it 15 seconds and then make my bet so that uh, you know, I don't I give other people an opportunity to to hit the bet themselves. Uh, and then hopefully it doesn't move before I bet it. So I just kind of know my book. Like I know if I bet at FanDuel, they're not moving it yet. They move it after I track it. I could bet it. Give it two hours if nobody else tracks it or whatever. Then I'll track it. Then it'll move. Like, I very much have tested all this stuff. The problem is you were also doing it. So we both wanted to, like, track them together and bet them together. Uh, so we just kind of had to, you know, just just deal with what we could. Um, so it's just one of those things. It sucks being a content creator in that regard because as soon as we track a bet, these it's the same thing that Sean Kerner has with uh, NFL props. He tracks a bet; it is gone within at most 15, 30 seconds. At most, sometimes quicker. Uh, I'm pretty sure FanDuel bugs my account because, and like college basketball action moves off my my tracked bets as well, but much more slowly on DraftKings. FanDuel, it's like they get a notification, they move the bet. It's like I think I'm followed in the app by FanDuel. I would honestly believe I, that. So I used to think, and, and I've talked about uh, with this a few of my friends, because like we started noticing it majorly last year uh, that this was happening. And I used to think, oh, maybe it's just coincidence, you know. No, like last week when I bet Blaney and Logano top 10s, those closed immediately. And now all of a sudden, both you and I both bet top 10s again here. They close immediately. Like this, there's no such thing as coincidences when, when it's yeah. happening like this. So not to toot our own horns here, but this is just what's happening. So I, I don't know how to, how to go around this and, 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 you know, to, to be able to, to get people enough time to, to tail us. Um, the best, the, the only thing we can do is obviously, like you said, we're going to bet it for ourselves and, and we track it. And if you have notifications, hopefully you get in quick enough and, and, and are able to get the lines. But, um, it's it's just the the nature of the game, I guess. I that's just what it is. But I mean, you, like if you're listening or if you're watching this podcast, uh, it's it's clear what's happening. And I mean, it's I think it's kind of cool, but at the same time, I I do wish more people could get on these lines. Yeah, I agree with you. I just um, don't know. I just don't know unless we have like a you know a, get people to sign up for a, a giant text thread like hey. But even then, you know, then, you know, their systems would, would, uh, mark when, uh, when 
all that action was coming in, so. Yep. Yeah, so it's just one of those things. It's like when things happen, the things happen. Um, and it, it, there's nothing we can do about it. There's literally nothing we can do about it. We're going to bet it. We're going to take care of ourselves first. Then we're going to track it. And then they're going to move. And then it's done. Those lines are gone. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yep. And as we have experienced three or four times this year while recording Stacking Denny's, lines we like have dropped. So we're not doing a live show, but I think it's important that you know there's a very good opportunity or chance, I should say, that we'll be tracking or betting some lines at midnight Eastern uh, on Tuesday, well, Tuesday to Wednesday, you know, night to morning, uh, or 1230, you know, just half an hour after midnight, um, Tuesday to Wednesday, Eastern, because it's, it's, you know, crossing that uh, day threshold or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, so it's just one of those things where the notifications are going to start going off. And uh, that's simply because that's when FanDuel's dropping them. And if FanDuel's dropping them and we like them, we're betting. And we're not waiting until the morning to give everybody a chance because they could be gone by the time we wake up if somebody else who's sharp, Greg Mathern, uh, you know, these garage guys, uh, some of these other other sharp NASCAR bettors, uh, if if they see it and they like it, Jim Sonis, uh, you know, anybody, Ryan Stevens, Derek Yoder, all them, if they see it and they, they tweet it out, they they – track it some you know, a lot of them are in the action app uh those are gonna move so it, it we're not competing with them we're all trying to win together but the problem is we can't go to bed wake up eight hours later and see the lines have moved if we see them that night of uh, just because we're trying to help you all win um that hurts us that hurts our bottom line that hurts what we do taking care of ourselves so it's unfortunate it sucks it's just the reality of it though Hundred percent, just the reality of it. I uh, I hate to say this. I'm tailing you on Ty Gibbs, top Toyota. Oh baby, bet Fred has it at fourteen. Yeah, you got to take that. I don't know who Fred is, but you got to take that. And confirm placing bet 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 place successfully. I am now on Ty Gibbs' top Toyota. Don't love it, but yeah, I'm with you. You gotta, you gotta take that. Just like yeah, you always do. say, like Bubba Wallace, uh, top Toyota plus 100 last year. Couldn't pass it up. If you're, if you're watching YouTube, I'm like playing my licks. I bit the shit out of it earlier today, and it's just like killing me. So like even talking hurts. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, we'll get to our picks and everything here now. Um, I have not made my random fantasy pick, by the way. Ooh. So it would be a, a live one. I don't think I've made mine either. Nice. Then I have to make mine first so you can tail me. Yep. Like, or, you know, get my influencer thing or whatever. Click, click my link and... All right, I'm going to do my random fantasy Talladega pick. 
All right, what do you think it is, Jordan? Um, I'm going to go Harrison Burton. Random, random. I got the guy who won this past week. Larson? Yes, I got Kyle Larson. Which At arguably his worst <laughs> racetrack or type of racetrack. <laughs> I will say, yeah, but you know, so was Martinsville is one of his worst tracks. But I, I feel like so. I'm not naming names. I'm not arguing with people. I'm not saying you have bad reasoning. I do see people that were like, I wouldn't have bet him at 12 to one or 14 to one or 15 to one because he's not good here. And I'm like, no, he used to not be good here at Martinsville. He has gotten good at Martinsville. Um, and I bet him 10 to one midweek. I tracked Kyle Larson 10 to one midweek at Circa. So I won 10 units on Kyle Larson at Circa. Uh, in addition to my Kyle Kirkwood bet. So it was a good day to be Kyle. Uh, unless you're Kyle Bush, I guess, but Right, so I tracked Kyle Larson for Martinsville, and that was really good um, because he won. And I thought those odds were too long based off the kind of year he has had, based off the kind of gear he's had at the short flats. Right, if we look at the short flats, I mean, dude kicked some fucking ass at the short flats. He's, he's, he's absolutely kicked ass at the short flats this year. So obviously he won Martinsville, but we didn't know that going in. But at Phoenix, he finished fourth, arguably had the car or a car to win, and he won at Richmond. So we know, and those are like results that he doesn't always post at Richmond and Phoenix. Now, we know he has won at both of those before, but those are very good results, and he's just kicked ass pretty much everywhere this year. Like you said, he could have four wins this year. Then throw it into the fact that he's gotten much better at Martinsville. Um you know, he, he ran and finished second last year, led 68 laps, 41 fastest laps. Uh, he, he led two races prior to that, 77 laps with 34 fastest laps, finished 14th. But that was unflattering. He had a he had a top five as well in his maiden Martinsville Hendrick race, finished third with Ganassi back in 2016, which was a low downforce race. Uh, so this guy can get it done at Martinsville. We've seen... Three top, if we just look at low down for Martinsville races. So that would be 16 to 18. Um, 2020 was COVID year that he was suspended. So 21 and 23. If we just look at those, Kyle Larson has uh, a third and a fifth. And now with this, a win in nine, uh, sorry, in nine starts. Yeah. So pretty pretty damn good for Kyle Larson. Uh, if we include 2022, which is last year because of the same car, he has now four top five finishes in 10 starts, a 40% top five rate. That's pretty good. I, I would say he's good at Martinsville. I would say he's yeah, good at Martinsville, a, low downforce. So like my algorithm predicted finishing order post this last week, there were two guys that like, you know, additionally, the eye test didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, just I thought they, I thought it was overvaluing them. Uh, one was Kevin Harvick, which he obviously had a, an amazing car. Uh, and another one was Kyle Larson, just because, like, I think it's set in my head that he's not amazing at Martinsville. But it had it right. It had him right up there. It had him sixth overall, but super close, you know, to that top three. So 
uh, yeah, definitely. I, 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 had, I had Larson first in odds to win. I legitimately had for Larson first in odds to win. I think Jim Sonis had him maybe second, uh, definitely top two. I know Chris Pinnell had him first or second, and I think NASCAR Probs, Probs had him first or second. So the the guys, like, and you had him, like you said, top, what was it, three or four? Uh, he was six, but like could have been. Oh, six. You know, the numbers were right there to be. It was, it was basically like throw a sheet over top, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I was saying um, early week for Martinsville. Yeah, ha, uh, NASCAR Probs had Larson second. So a lot of statistical models had him first or second. Your algorithm had him sixth. Like, but that was that was your algorithm predicted finishing order after practice and qualifying, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think midweek it probably would have been higher because I know after practice and qualifying everybody's model dropped on him. But I was I had a midweek bet. So midweek at ten to one, thought that was really good, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just it just Larson ten to one seemed too long, so I had to bet it and hit that. But yeah, he's kind of kicking myself for not betting it, but we'll have that. He's uh, won two of the three short flat track races this year, and he arguably could have won that third at Phoenix. You know, Harvick probably had the best car at the end there, but Larson had the best car for the first two-thirds of the race yeah yeah something to keep an eye on we're talking about championship um the trains the trains 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 short flats uh, kyle larson pick to win this week who you got so by the way my random fantasy for this second week in a row uh chase elliott oh so wow my last my last three random fantasy racing picks have been Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson. Yo, you're rolling with the Hendrick I'm getting, boys. I'm getting some some solid picks here, but uh, not getting amazing results. I finally got another top ten though at, at Martinsville with Chase. So, um, it, I just have to say, so Ty Dillon was dock blocked. He finished thirty second, but he didn't go to jail. <laughs> so. Uh, Probably in line with expectations. So I, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily think I blocked him this week. Uh, going before we get to our picks, um, random fantasy racing. There are two. There are now two people in the top seven that have missed one race this year and are still in the top seven in points. That's insane. That's just ridiculous. Well, weren't we saying the guy, the the person racing life last week? You know, had the. Uh, the 41 car dude who they had a potentially race winning car in priest before the speeding penalty. Like they got wow, bad they got, luck by having Ryan priest finish 15th. I got, they have Cindric, uh, Cindric picked for Talladega. I feel That's like pretty I good need to too, honestly. right now. <laughs> if, if you get Cindric, yeah, if you get Cindric, you want to get him at a road course to Talladega or Daytona. Yeah. Pretty much. That's a good get there. Um, like, if you're going to get Cindric, you're getting him at one of his better spots. Let's see if the other other person uh, with a missed start has made their pick for Talladega yet. Yep, they have Byron with another good pick. Mm-hmm. Another solid choice there. Yeah, I got Kyle Larson in the spot. You definitely don't want to get Kyle Larson. So he's <laughs> honestly, based how my year has gone, um, he'll probably win Talladega. 
I, like, I got a win with Kyle Larson earlier this year, so I've, I've broken the the only one win ever curse. I have now have more career wins than Daniel Hemrick. I now have more career wins than Matt Benedetto. So, you know, we're doing well in that department. Um, so maybe, maybe this is the week Kyle Larson wins. I don't know. What, what are Kyle Larson's odds? Like, why is he whatever the hell he is at super speedways every time we come to them? 16 to one at FanDuel. Why? He should be 25 to one at, at best. Hmm. Uh, Random Fancy Racing Underdog Cup. Remember the guy um, that was in last place last week, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Wow!" Like, like he has a he has a twenty eight point lead on second place. He had uh, <laughs> the forty two, which would be Gregson who finished thirtieth. So just another wow. abysmal. <laughs> this guy yeah. has not picked anyone. His best finish is twenty eighth, and it was McDowell in the Daytona five hundred. <laughs> that's insane holy crap like that is a monstrous lead like i'm Um, gonna follow this person just to just to put um, yeah i'm gonna do the same thing just to put notifications on for when he gets the (laughs) (laughs) random fantasy pick so we can fade them they they have not made their uh they've not made their pick yet for talladega we need to get him on the show. Yes, <laughs> that's you, what we need to do. You, how are you so bad at this? <laughs> <laughs> how are you worse than Rotodoc at this? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, no, they, they finished 30th with the the 42 of Noah Gregson. Um, and, you know, Martinsville is supposed to be a good track for Noah Gregson. That's when you know it's bad, when Noah Gregson finishes 30th at Martinsville. I understand he's a rookie and he's in cup. But he finished thirtieth. That means that means legacy is is they're not shit box, but they're definitely bottom mid tier, like lower mid tier at this point. Like you have to consider legacy just lower mid tier at this point. And that's not that's not being uh, um, dramatic or anything like that. That's that's where they are at right now. And it's not getting mm-hmm. better. Like there's, they're not showing any signs of improvement. If anything, I'd say they're showing a little bit, a little bit worse. And that's, it's really interesting. I think this week, you know, with Talladega, because Eric Jones is really good at Talladega. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go off of recent performance and how much that plays into your picks here at Talladega, Eric Jones is going to be a popular pick this week because with with uh, with his track record recently, um, and I'm assuming like with with how Legacy is is struggling this year that he's not going to qualify very well. He's going to be a very very popular pick in DFS. Could be a could be a fade fade situation there um, if you want to go with go that route. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And looking at Eric Jones at Daytona, he finished 37th, um, which obviously finishes whatever. But his percentage of laps in the top 15 uh, was, and let me pull it up here, for super speedways, he had 48% of the laps in the top 15. Last year, if we include Atlanta, his lowest was 68%. Oh, sorry, 65%. So he had 48%. If we remove it, uh, oh, no, I take that back. There was a 60 uh, at Atlanta. But if we remove it, his lowest was 65 
So we have 48%. And then Atlanta this year, 8% of laps in the top 15, whereas last year it was 60 and 78%. So a marked drop-off and super speedway performance this year to last year um, at both Daytona and Atlanta. Just a significant drop-off. So yeah, you, you uh, you're right. Two. He becomes an interesting fade candidate at that point and i'll probably eat my words like obviously these races are very great equalizers but i just feel like that is that's one guy going into this race weekend i can definitely see being completely overvalued because you look at you look at the two talladega races last year he was a legitimate contender to win he led Mm -hmm. over 20 laps in both those races he finished sixth each time everybody's going to be like a lot of people are going to be talking about eric jones this weekend and rightfully so like he has four five top tens in the last six talladega races like he's always been really good here um, but if that car is not there, that's, that's just, that's something to, to keep in the back of your head is, you know, if he, let's say he goes out and, you know, with how they're running right now, he qualifies 32nd. Yep. He's going to be 40% owned on DraftKings. Now I will say owned. this. I will say this. We look at 2021. So before the next gen car, the last year of the gen six car, if we look at Daytona, he ran 23 and 12% of laps in the top 15, which is worse than he ran at Daytona this year by a good chunk. So while he's not at last year's levels, he's not at 2021 levels of, of Legacy Motors Club bad at super speedways. Now, we didn't have Atlanta back then, so it's hard to compare. So it seems like he's definitely dropped off at the super speedways. The question is, how much? Was that 48% he had at Daytona earlier this year his peak? Was his median? What is this floor? It's tough to say. So we're not quite there in a sample size, but it was definitely better than both Daytona races in 2021. So we need to at least say he's not 2021 levels of bad at Daytona. Now at Talladega in 2021, he was better than Daytona. At, at If we look just at Talladega, he averaged 46.4% of laps in top 15. 46.4. At Daytona, it was 35.2. So more than a 10% drop off. Now, if we go to 2022, just Daytona and Talladega, once again, Talladega, much better. 92% average, top 15%. Daytona, 67, 66.8 average percent. So if we're going to fade Eric Jones, it probably should be at the day, next Daytona race. Uh, which all hell will break loose anyway, so it's not necessarily a good spot to fade. But Talladega is probably the better spot to be on Eric Jones just based off of his trains with Legacy Motor Club. Um, And they've been consistent year after year. All four of his Talladega races were higher than all four of his uh, Daytona races when you stay within the year. So, So his two Talladega races were higher than his two Daytona races in 2021. His two Talladega races were higher than his two... Daytona races in 2022. So again, his worst Dega was better than his best Daytona each year. Yeah, that's some, that's a good analysis. And it's and then see that's an, that's another thing I I I love looking at the trans and everything with Daytona and Talladega, but then like at the end of the race weekend and it's all just a complete shit show. It's like I spent so much time. Look, looking yeah. up this stuff and trying to, to analyze it, that is such a waste of time. Like, it is, it is. It it it's it's a double edged sword, but uh, 
As far as picks to win, so you got Larson, I have Elliott when it comes to random fantasy racing. Who's your pick to win Talladega on Sunday? You got a you got a hat or a dartboard to, to pick a name out of or throw a dart at? Yeah. I'm gonna go with Kyle. I'm gonna stay on the Kyle train. Kyle Bush. Bush? Kyle Bush. He looked good at Daytona. He looked real good. He did. He did. Don't remind me. He should have won a stage. I had that bet. Yep. Well, we had the no hopefully two stage we, winner bet at least. <laughs> hopefully, we get some odds like that. Some good stage odds. I'll bet oh, those. Did they, did they give those us that this fun. time? We didn't even look. Did they give us the no two plus stage bet? They did not. Fandle did not. I no. Yeah, we permanently. I think we permanently broke the Fanduel top tens. They're still locked. Still locked. That's awesome. Man, this is what it is. Um. Guess who I'm picking for to win this race? I have no fucking clue, so I'm just gonna say uh I'm just looking at the the board here. I'm just gonna say Kevin Harvick. Eric Jones. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just to randomly throw something out there. <laughs> I love After it. I love on it. him for so long, I'm gonna say he wins this. That's funny. Race. That's funny. That's funny. Well done. Well done. That's how much I. That's how, who knows? I don't. Don't know. care about picking this race. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. I will note I'm on a, um, like as far as my pick to win, they finished between 13th and 16th, and for the my last five picks after I started the season on a pretty hot streak. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there. But you're on, a, you're on a pretty hot streak right now with your picks. Seventh or better in uh, five of the last six, including that nice. win at Bristol Dirt. So we're both at one nice. win right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have four top fives. You have four top fives. So Average finish, probably similar. Um, yeah. My average finish is... 10th and your average finish is 12.3 so that's pretty close there and that's including that's including daytona um and atlanta so which were both yeah. super speedways so. yeah exactly but yeah all right that's gonna wrap up wrap up this episode man we went for two hours and 15 minutes Shit. we had some, we had some things to talk about with kyle kirkwood and, and stacking denny's uh, sponsor. That's true. That's true. So you know, remove yeah. that is probably a sub two hour show, but and and then sitting there tracking bets for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it is I, what it is. I wish I would have. Re- I wish I would have marked down when those that the time stamp stamps for that in case anybody wants to fast forward it, but I forgot. Uh, oh, yeah. But we're oh. we're talking Dover next weekend, which I always like. Dover. Dover's like. Dover's fun. It's always been one of my favorite tracks. I don't know why. And they randomly have an earlier start. They have a 2 p.m. start uh, for Dover. Dude, we're, week, but th- we're in the Ricky Stenhouse Jr. hotbed between Talladega. You know he's good at yep. super speedways. Dover. And he's not bad at, at places like Kansas. So, you know, we could see Ricky Stenhouse Jr. hanging out inside the uh, – I know he has a win, so it doesn't really matter. But we could st- still see him hanging out inside the top 13 in points uh, even three weeks from now. Yeah, and then we uh, last year he finished after, eighth at Darlington, uh, the first Darlington race. So 
you know, we're, we're literally hitting. And then he finished, uh, yeah, he finished eighth at Kansas last year, eighth at Darlington, second at Dover, seventh at Charlotte, and obviously Talladega, he crashed out, but he's it's typically a good track for him. We're literally in the Ricky Stenhouse Jr. hot streak here, where last year he had four out of five top eight finishes, and the one he didn't was Talladega, where we know he can win. So yeah. uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., if he repeats that last year, he might be in the top ten after Charlotte in the standings. And I'm not joking. That's that's just crazy. Crazy to think about. But Yeah. But yeah, Talladega this weekend, Geico five hundred, hundred and eighty eight laps. Hopefully there's no rain. I haven't looked at the forecast. But we we get a, a another race on actual Fox, so uh, viewership numbers sh- should be pretty decent this week. We won't get another one on Fox till the Coca-Cola 600 in late May. Yeah. So, um, good luck if you're betting this weekend. If you're playing DFS, uh, be sure to check out our content on that. This is always a very good strategy, and <laughs> Roto- always listen yes, to Roto Doc on this. Um, yeah, I'll be back to full content this week. I'm 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 back full content this week on NASCAR or for yeah NASCAR for Action Network. Um, so we're full go. Perfect. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else? Go Kyle Kirkwood. Go Kyle Kirkwood. Perfect. All right. See you guys. Good luck this weekend.